Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by ShopFutsal.com, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the next edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Well, good day to you, Simon Provan. We've, it's Friday. We've finally reached the end of another busy week. You go back to school on Monday. Monday. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Just finished up my last syllabi preparation syllabi. yesterday. Yeah, syllabi is the... Syllabi. Is Syllabuses. The, exactly, yeah. Syllabian. I never. It's the plural that. form of syllabus. Syllabus. Syllabi. Yes. Either way, school is around the corner, which means college is around the corner for a lot of people, and high school and college soccer is around the corner. Your daughter Bethany is playing club soccer right now too. Yeah. So. Hey, can I just do a do a quick shout Please. out for her? I know yeah, I'll do a shout shout-outs. out later in the show with other parts of my family, but. Uh, Bethany scored a left-footed goal. What the other day? My goodness! And now she's playing a year up. She's nine years old, playing with uh, you know U eleven. Sure. It was so exciting because she actually took the ball with her right foot, mm. saw the goalkeeper coming at her, played it to her left, and put finished it, in the goal. it away, <laughs> slotted it away in the bottom corner. And, and as a dad of a daughter, it was really cool because there was a, there was another dad behind me that I heard him go, "See, son, that's why you shoot with your left foot." <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's Quite, fantastic. Quiet little uh, shirt like, tear off in my mind. <laughs> like, I'm so proud. She would have been like, Dad, exactly. like, come on. You can't be doing that. I love it. Well, we are excited to have all of you here with us this week. We've got a great show in store for you. Uh, we'll be joined later on in the program by no long. Well, she'll, t- she'll tell you. We'll, we'll be joined by Sonia Kondratenko later on in the program. She's got an exciting announcement for us. Uh, about her career as well. Uh, she's leaving Kick, but I'm not going to tell you where she's going. We'll let her take care of that. Uh, but also here in our next segment, we'll be joined by Taylor Lytle of Sky Blue FC as well. A fantastic interview with her. A lot of fun to speak with, and she kind of helps us figure out the conundrum of what exactly is Sky Blue FC? Because I don't even know if anybody knows. And I, I, I asked her during the interview as well, too, what Sky Blue FC is. And she, she kind of gives me the answer, but I feel like even Sky Blue FC players don't even really know what they are this year. There are, there are a couple of points out of the playoffs, but there's such a conundrum. Yeah. Nobody knows. I'm like, and you hear this in the interview, too, with going back and forth and saying you guys sometimes beat the teams you're not supposed to beat, then you lose to the teams you're not supposed to lose to. What did the, what's going on? And it's, it's a fun interview. It's a lot of fun. Either way, though, uh, we are excited to be here. A reminder for all of you, of course, as you can listen to us here on Fridays on the Sports Podcasting Network. Go to sportspodcastingnetwork.com. You can hear us at 1130 a.m. Central Time. 
and then On Demand anytime on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com as well. Of course, we're also on Facebook. Just type 2 up front in the search section. Uh, we are also on Twitter at 2 up front Soccer. He is at Baxter Colburn. I'm at Simon Provan. What else should we talk about? Did we talk about our website yet? Not yet. I yeah, make sure so. you check out 2upfrontsoccer.com. A very important thing to do. It is. Yes. It is. Yes. It's, it's a fun place that we occasionally update. Now, we, we try to update it, but Simon and I live busy lives. So yes. uh, either way, though, we are excited, though, for this week's show. A couple of things going on with U.S. men's national team players, Simon, that I think we should talk about to lead off the show with. DeAndre Yudlin signing a $6.6 million deal to go to Newcastle. Um, and uh, also a rumor with Stoke City with Christian Pulisic potentially going for 20 million euros to Stoke City. So one guy going up to the Premier League, another guy going down out of the Premier League. We know the Edlin deal has officially happened. We don't know about Pulisic yet. I was actually surprised by the number $6.6 million U.S., for the Yedlin deal. Mm-hmm. I think it shows Newcastle really does has asp- really has aspirations to get back up to the Premier League, stay in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a great move for Yedlin. He, he didn't have a future at Tottenham. Too many players in front of him. Mm-hmm. He had, what, one appearance in the preseason? That's all? Something like that, yeah. Look, at, I think one thing that, forgets, that people forget about, Rafa Benitez is now the manager yep. at Newcastle. Uh, he's been very complimentary... In a, it seems to be in a sincere way of DeAndre saying that we have a player who knows English football well. He has good experience and attacking mentality, ability, and great pace. I think he can do really, really well for us and give us good competition on the right, which is also good news. That means he's playing I'm to say, right Hopefully back. he actually then plays then, too. That, right. that was, I think that obviously makes the most sense when you look at this deal because so many people thought, were like, well, if he stays at Tottenham, he's probably not going to play. If he goes back on loan to, I believe it was Southampton, maybe he'll play. Here's the, or was it Sunderland? I he, never remember. Yeah, he was at, well, he was at Sunderland. This That's is the right. frustrating thing. I'm glad you brought that up because Tottenham was trying to sell him permanently to mm-hmm. Sunderland. And Sunderland was like, meh, we'll pass. David Moyes. What a guy. Okay, former coach at Everton. And this is, this is what we claim to be that American bias, right? Of course. David Moyes says, I don't know if he's got enough experience to be successful at Sunderland. Did you not watch last season when he was challenged by Sam Alderice, who said the exact same thing? Mm-hmm. You know, he would, uh, Yedlin was substituted 19 minutes into a game. He could have put his head down and pouted, but he came back yeah. and played fantastically and helped Sunderland stay up. So David Moyes, to make that comment, I think is incredibly well, uneducated. That's, that's, that's par for the course for David Moyes, though, as many people know from his Man United days. So, hey, look, Newcastle United, if you're going to play in the championship, you might as well play with one of the biggest clubs still yeah. in English football. And a team and that has Newcastle an opportunity United. to move up. That's right. As well, too. And we'll, we'll see him, I'm sure, in you know FA Cup action and other Capital One Cup or whatever other things that, that take place in the Premier League. So uh, a good thing for Yedlin. Congratulations to him. I am curious about this this $20 million euro thing, though, for Stoke City. There is an offer, apparently, to Borussia Dortmund in Germany for Pulisic. Number one is 20 million euro, which is, what does that go over to? About 30. 30 30 million U.S. dollars. Is that too much? Is that too little? Is that just right? I think it's about just right. Is it? Yeah. Have we seen that much from him? We've seen enough, yeah. To warrant almost a $30 million American dollar deal? He gets put into the Bundesliga's, I believe it was his first game, scores a wonder goal. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, every every time he's been on the field, Baxter, yeah, he's been. I don't want to say amazing, but for a seventeen-year-old, yeah, 
Hmm. And that's why, because he's so young. There's, we see so much potential in him. Yes. That's why he's worth the $30 million. Hmm. Stoke looks at this and say, we can spend $30 million on him. And if he, if he develops to be what we think he could be, they can turn around and sell him for $60 million. That is true. And there's also reports coming out saying that um, RB Leipzig and Russian side CSK Moscow are also interested in challenging Stoke City as well for... The young Pulisic. Well, I think either of those teams, by the way, that's uh, the, the Leipzig team is also sponsored by Red Bull, which is why the RB yep. is there. So they are a sister club to the New York team. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, I think either three of those teams, he actually will be a starter. I think so, yeah. Stoke City would be very intriguing. I think Stoke City has the best roster because he'd get to play alongside some better guys like Bohan and Afalini and Shakiri and a couple other guys, and even Jeff Cameron as well, too. That's there. true. Well, and that's that's one good reason to have him go there is there's an established American who... So he has at least somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. That way he's not going in completely blind like he kind of did at Dortmund as well. Um, one other thing I want to talk about... Uh, well, obviously... Well, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I, I keep, I'll do this to you all show, too. That's fine. It's one of the do. things that we should note, though, is that his dad came out and said, no, he's not leaving Dortmund. Mm, interesting. And I believe his dad is his manager. Ah. Now, that could be a ploy to try to get that More price money. up even higher. I was going to say, if suddenly another a bigger club says, eh, we've got a couple extra million dollars sitting around. Right. Why because not? Because if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, at least this is what it was a few years ago, players get 10% of whatever that transfer fee ends up being. Hmm. Interesting. That's why the deals are so darn high, so they can actually have, make a living. There you go. Makes more sense to me, that's for sure. Um, all right, I want to talk about uh, an article that the Huffington Post wrote, Simon, that you have mixed emotions about. Um, they wrote this just a couple of days ago. Uh, five soccer cities making America great again. Kind of like the, the Donald Trump for soccer, basically, yeah. is what this kind of, which, anyway, political things aside. So the article basically, in not so many words, goes on to say that uh, there are five cities that are helping revitalize and make America great in soccer. It doesn't talk about M- any MLS cities. So there's that. Start to, to preview that. The first one is Detroit. They've got Detroit City Football Club as what they go by, Detroit City FC. This is a team that you know nearly – they just sell out every single game, basically. They have thousands of fans that come. And there's even people from Detroit City that have said, yeah, we don't want an MLS team. We're fine with what we have, which is interesting. Which is great. Yeah. 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 Uh, another one is Indianapolis, or Indy 11, of course. They've done a great job with Peter Wilt, who has now moved on to uh, Chicago NASL. Uh, they've got uh, they've got an NASL team, and they've got an NPSL team as well for both of their, their two divisions. Uh, a, t- a city that you wouldn't maybe think would be a soccer hub, especially with the Indiana Pacers and the Indianapolis Colts as well, too. It's like, oh, no, actually... They're actually a pretty good team. Yeah, it's so, been a, it's been a great atmosphere that it has developed. They there. won the uh, the what was it the spring season? Spring season. I always forget how of the they, NASL how they do that. Uh, another one is San Francisco, San Francisco City FC. Another one, uh, a, another city that continues to push. We know California as a whole is just flooded with soccer. I mean, everybody right. loves soccer out there. Uh, another one is Louisville or Louisville City FC. We know that they uh, have been pushing hard for a potential MLS. Uh, city stadium bid. different different group though is pushing for that MLS yes. team, so it's different organizations uh, in that regards. And then uh, the final one is Minneapolis Minis- Minneapolis City Soccer Club is the other one. Which I don't know if they understood this or not, but Minnesota United is going to be in MLS now. Well, it's that's part of part of when I read this Baxter, I went you know, and this guy does have a fantastic podcast. By the way, I want to mm-hmm. throw that out there. Uh, but I read that, and I just thought, you know, it. when I read this, it says to me that 
Here's a soccer person who knows soccer, yeah, but not the history of soccer. It's very obvious throughout the article that this guy's done his research, right? Did a good job. Right. However, right. yes, you know, as somebody who who's gone from, and I know Glenn Davis takes issue with me when I say this, but the dark days of professional soccer in yes. this country to what it is now, it. <sighs> Because one of the things that gets mentioned at the end is, you know, you're, you've been put on notice, Don Garber, U.S. soccer, you've been put on notice. You don't own soccer in this country. Well, legally, yes, they do own Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, U.S. soccer runs the Open Cup. But but regardless of that, for the fact that people are still saying we need promotion and relegation. Look, I get why people want that, and I, and I get the arguments of, of how it could make the season more exciting, though I think the playoffs do a lot of that as well. Mm-hmm. But... Every soccer league before MLS has failed miserably. <laughs> now, the USL, they've kept transforming and transforming and yes. transforming, finding their way. Which right? is good, though. But even then, USL is really riding the coattails right now of MLS with having developmental teams mm-hmm. in there. Um, people harp on MLS for being a closed league for not allowing yes. NASL teams in or USL teams in. Here's the thing. The NASL is a closed team. The USL is a closed uh, league, yeah, rather. Leagues, yep. y- you have to put up money to get in those leagues. They're not any different. Makes sense and to right me. And right now, promotion and relegation can't work because of that. Yes. Not and just because they're closed leagues, but you have people possibly paying $200 million to get into MLS, paying $10 million to get into NASL. Or just a couple thousand dollars to get into NPSL. Right. Assume so, that a team somehow got good enough. You know? So if, if these people are talking about promotion relegation, yep. then that's the part of the puzzle that's got to be figured out. Mm-hmm. It, you, can't, you can't allow people who've done 10... Now, maybe it's when you get bumped up to MLS, yep. if there was promotion relegation, then there's got to be an entry fee to make up for, Mm -hmm. you know, otherwise you're not going to have the top division be healthy anymore. That's what people fail to realize because everybody's going to say, okay, well, fine. I'm going to start way down here at $75,000 and make my way up, Mm -hmm. which I know people say, hey, that's exciting, but it won't, it, I don't think it'll work. I agree. Because it won't be able to, the, the league won't be able to exist anymore. Exactly. Well, the United States is such a huge country, and I know everybody has their own version of what soccer really is. And I think what MLS is doing, and I think what NWSL is doing, and even what USL is doing at times, too, are the right things. I think they're doing the right thing right now. Will we see promotion relegation? It's going to be a long time, I really feel it like, is. before we see something like that. But it's always nice to at least have, on the flip side of all this, it's nice to see people caring about soccer in America enough to say, we want to be better. We want to be better. I think that, uh, you know, the Detroit FC is one of the most exciting things. I mean, they've raised money to renovate a stadium. Mm-hmm. They've given some of that money back to the people who put money into it. And that's you know? all they are is an MPSL team. So, right. And I'm not, I am not knocking this article in, in the spirit of what it is. That, yes. yes, there are awesome minor league soccer teams out mm-hmm. there that have a great following. But to say that those teams are the ones making American soccer great again, man, go back to 1986 mm-hmm. when there was no big-time outdoor league. It's true. MLS has played a huge role in making soccer what it is today. And these newer people coming, not newer people, as I said, not to be disparaging, but the, the, right, the popular term is millennials. Yes, coming, kids you know, these days. People that have been fans for five years of MLS, not realizing how this league became mm-hmm. successful and what it had to do to get over all these hurdles. That's, I agree. That's the old man in me that gets so frustrated and says, well, in my day, <laughs> I had to watch PBS one hour of the week to get <laughs> some soccer. internet, fast. 
fantasy <laughs> soccer. You must be out of your mind. So I think it's great. It's kind of like us. You're the young guy, the, the young bull that, let's, let's do this, do this, do this. And I'm the old guy that's got to go, wait, hold on here. Mm. Hold on here. Well, you it's, do that with most a... things in life with me anyway. Like, let's do this. <laughs> You're like, whoa, whoa. But it happens. So, you know, it's the old man in me. At the yes. same time, I appreciate these young kids coming up with these greater ideas and saying, hey, let's, let's look at this stuff. Mm-hmm. Look how great this is. Let's do this in other cities. Awesome. I'm all for it. Yeah, keep expanding soccer, but you need to do it smart, and you don't need to just all expand at one time, as we know. As Don Garber is even – Don Garber, we've seen even, even him over his tenure, his transition from the let's take it slow to where's the money? How That's can right. we do this That's now? Right. It's like, okay, Don, and, I, and, and as I said, I you know we both take issue with mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, let's go to a break. When we come back, Taylor Lighter will be here with us from Sky Blue FC. We've got Champions League. We've got all kinds of stuff with us. Stick with us. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan for this interview as we get to move along to the great state of New Jersey and go out to Sky Blue FC. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had the opportunity to speak with somebody from Sky Blue. Last time we were out there, we got to talk to forward Kim DeCesar. Now we get to speak to a midfielder. She wears number six. It's Taylor Lytle, and she joins us here on the program. Good afternoon, Taylor. Welcome to Two Up Front. Thank you. Hi. Hi. It's great to have you here on the program, Taylor. Uh, I, I feel like we need to start first by talking a little bit about what's been going on with Sky Blue FC this season, because I don't know if you guys hear this in your camp, but I feel like the the, the nature of Sky Blue FC around the NWSL right now is that nobody really knows what to do with Sky Blue FC right now, because you guys are... <laughs> You guys are good. You guys are bad. You're, you pull upsets. You, you, it's it's kind of all over. And I know that's kind of the nature of how soccer works sometimes, too. But from somebody that's that's in the camp that sees it day in and day out, can you shed a little bit more light about what Sky Blue FC actually is this season for us? Um, I think that we're just a good combination of, you know, rookies coming in and we have a new coach. And then we also have uh, some veterans on the team that also um, combine well. And I, I think that... Mostly, we're just uh, a family, mostly, and, and willing to work hard for each other. And I think that's why, you know, this year has been a little different and uh, why I think we're able to surprise people because we're never uh, we're never down in the game, even if, you know, we are behind in the goal or anything. We, we continue to fight till the end, which is awesome. And I think that's very commendable of you guys, too. I mean, like we mentioned, you guys have been able to pull upsets against some, you know, some of the better teams in NWSL this year. But you you guys are just outside the playoff bracket at the moment. And we still know that there's obviously a couple of more weeks uh, until the end of the season. But uh, it's it's creeping up. It's very close. But uh, is the mantra around camp that you guys are still feeling good, that you can make that, that push for a playoff spot right now? Yeah, that's definitely one of our goals still. And, and we know that they're... Um... We still have some, some games left, and they're definitely against some teams that are also fighting for those playoff spots. So we know that uh, these, next, these next few games are important for us. And, uh, you know, at practice and stuff, we're, we're still working hard trying to make, make each other better every day and, and get ready for these upcoming games that we have. Do you believe that because there's the there's only these four games or these four teams that can make the playoffs out of a ten team league is that a, is that a fair amount or should there be even a possibility of a fifth and maybe have fourth and fifth play for like a that final spot? 
Um, I think, I mean, right now, you know, there's 10 teams, which is awesome, and it's continuously growing each year, which is even better for our league. Um, I think right now, you know, four teams, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be in those four. But, um, you know, I think it just goes to show that you have to be consistent throughout the year and, and you have to, you know, get some points and, and win some big games. And uh, I think uh, I think it just comes down to the team that, that is consistent throughout the year and, and getting those major points when you need them. Sure, I completely agree with that one. Uh, one thing I am curious about, you talk about consistency. Not necessarily I'm curious about the team, but with the fans. And my, my co-host wasn't able to be here today, obviously, uh, but he is a huge guy when it comes to statistics and it comes to attendance as well. And you guys are last in attendance for home attendance. You guys average a little over 1,800 people per home match mm-hmm. is that is that kind of deflating as a team to say hey we're out here doing one of the you know, we're one of the better teams in the league but people just aren't coming out to watch your games i mean yeah what's up what's up with that i guess um i mean you know we uh we try to control what we can control and that's uh what goes on on the field and and winning the games and stuff so we try not to to let uh attendance or anything like that that goes outside of you know the soccer field affect us so I think our main focus usually at games is just making sure we get our job done on the field. And that's about all you can do at the same time. I mean, even looking yeah, at some of yeah. the, looking at some of the, the the teams that are even higher up with attendance, they're you know performing you know lower than how you guys are this season too. So it's mm-hmm. attendance is such a tricky thing. Sometimes it's like, well, we could be the best team in the league and still only have five people in the stands. It's like, well, what the heck? It doesn't yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense some days. But uh, yeah, yeah. We, we we like to bring our own energy, which is awesome. And uh, and I I think that. You know, we've showed that throughout the year that we can play anywhere and uh, still get a result somehow. That makes sense to me. Talking with Taylor Lytle here on uh, two up front, uh, midfielder uh, for Sky Blue FC. Taylor, this weekend, you, know, you ladies take on the Chicago Red Stars uh, team also, as you mentioned, uh, that is fighting for that playoff spot. They're three points ahead of you in the standings mm-hmm. right now. Uh, how do you prepare for a team like Chicago that uh, has a couple of big-time players on there that can change the dynamic of a game in a second? Yeah, um, Chicago, they're they're a, a really tough team, and, and they have some good players on their team. And um, like you said, they're fighting for a spot just like we are in the playoffs, and it's, it can be a huge three points for either of us. So I'm expecting it to be a good game, and um, I think that we just go out there with the game plan that we've had all year and just continue to fight for each other and work as a team and uh, – I think we'll get a good result if we do that. For those that don't know too much about Sky Blue FC, I mean, because let's be honest, like we mentioned in the beginning of the, pro- in the, the interview, people don't really know what to make of you guys. Who have been some of the key contributors for you ladies so far? You guys have had enough games together now that you kind of have that feeling. It's like, hey, you know, XYZ, they've really been stepping up for us this year. Or can you kind of give us the, the inside track on some of the ladies to be keeping an eye on? Yeah, um, I just, I mean, I think I have to give credit to all of our rookies that um, are playing for us. I think, you know, we're a pretty young team for uh, compared to a lot of teams, and um, I, I think all the rookies have stepped up for us in, in every position, defensively and offensively. So um, I think they're, they're ones that we can give a lot of credit to, and uh, we're just thankful that we got them this year. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, you guys certainly have a, a good cast around you. Uh, stepping away from Sky Blue FC for a moment and kind of just focusing on you as a, as a whole and your career, uh, I, I found this interesting, and we love talking about stuff like this on the show, um, your motivation to, to even start playing soccer in the beginning. It all started with you trying to, to one-up your brother, basically. Can you, can you tell us a little <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bit more about that? Yeah, um, I have an older brother, and he's uh, two years older than me, and I just, I always wanted to be like him, and 
I can remember that he started playing soccer, and I was just like, well, I want to do what he does, and I want to be better than him. So we actually would play 1v1 in our driveway all the time and set up goals with uh, the rocks in our yard and stuff. And um, I can just remember things would get so competitive, and we would both come in in bad moods whenever we would lose. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it's awesome. The competitiveness started at a young age for me. <laughs> I was say, it's a healthy rivalry, too. So did it? Did, did you end up yeah. surpassing him at some point? Is he playing anywhere at all, or is it just you right um, now? He, he went off and he did playing college and stuff, and then after college he stopped playing. So um, we both had successful careers, and I just have gone a little longer than him. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you ever hold that over his head be like, hey, I'm still playing? <laughs> I try not to, but sometimes, you know, when, when we start fighting, I have to throw it out there every once in a while. It's a good comeback, <laughs> yeah, right? I'm sure he'd be like, well, you're this, well, you're that. We're like, well, hey, I'm playing professional soccer. He'd be like, fine, fine, you win, fine. <laughs> Exactly. It's a good little card to hold in the back pocket. Of, uh, I love it. It is. It is. Fantastic. Well, I, I got to ask you too, Taylor. Um, the, the Women's Olympics for soccer just finished, and uh, Team USA, they bowed out a lot earlier than a lot of people did. Obviously, Canada has mm-hmm. ties to the NWSL also. But uh, I just kind of wanted to get your, your outsider you know, thoughts about what you thought about the tournament as a whole and even about the U.S. bowing out early as well. Yeah, I think that the tournament was good. It's always good when uh, you know there's women's soccer on a national level and people you know get to watch it more and obviously um i think everyone's disappointed with the united states um bowing out early but i think if anything it's just a, a growing experience and they're just going to come back better and stronger for the you know next world cup and olympics and uh yeah but i enjoyed watching it i always enjoy watching women's soccer on tv and, and seeing uh you know the the world-class players from around the world so it was, it was a good tournament overall and you yourself had the opportunity to play with the U23s back in 2012. Have you heard mm-hmm. any inklings at all about another call into camp at all anytime soon, or has that ship I sailed? haven't. Um, you know, always hopeful and just doing what I can on the field uh, to get recognized, but no, I haven't. Fair enough. I mean, you certainly have a couple of uh, other players on the roster, too, that uh, are used to the international scene as well, too. So I'm sure putting a bug in their ear every once in a while, like, hey, you should definitely tell Coach Ellis. It's like, I can do this. Look, look, you see that great pass? Hey, I bet I could do that, too, on the national team level. (laughs) Exactly. Every little bit helps. You never know, you know, what gals like Kelly O'Hara and others can do for you. (laughs) Yeah. When you have amazing players around you, huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It only, it only makes yeah. you better. Uh, well, Taylor, before yeah. we, before we let you go, um, I, I had the opportunity to speak with um, head coach Christy Holly back before the season started, and uh, he talked to you just about, you know, like you mentioned, that community, that family, about just kind of bringing the team together. From what you've seen from him as a head coach this season to, you know, from where you started at the beginning of the year to where you guys are now, just right outside the playoff mark, do you feel like this so far has been a positive season for you guys, or is that did you exceed expectations, or what was some of that stuff you talked about before the season to where you are now? I mean, I think it's been a positive year for us. We're obviously, you know, fighting for that playoff spot, and um, I don't think we exceeded our expectations, but I think we exceeded the expectations of other people. But um, you know, Christy Holly came in and and you know had a plan, and and we stuck by it, and you know, been coach and and led us on um, on this great run. So. We're going to try to continue that for the rest of the year, and um, I think I think we're going to have a good, you know, five games coming up. And I and I I feel like, as I mentioned too, I had I had a great chat with with Christy too, and it was it was just funny. I, I don't know if you guys bug him about it when I do when I talk to him. I always ask him if we can find those uh, those vintage Christy Holly highlight tapes anywhere from his old playing days, but he <laughs> never uh, never quite answers my question. He's like, oh, those are those are long gone and buried, and I'm like, I'm gonna find them one of these days, Coach, and we're gonna hey. we're gonna have a viewing party. 
you know, he gets out there with us sometimes and practices with us, and, you know, he... You still have it, so don't worry. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, with a lot of those coaches that were players that turned, you know, are those players that turned coach kind of a thing. It's like, oh, yeah, they, they still got it, and you can still feel mm-hmm. that, that burning desire, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's a funny yeah. funny thing that never really quite goes away. So, well, well yeah. Taylor, I really appreciate you taking time today to come on to Upfront. Uh, you can catch Taylor and Sky Blue FC this weekend when they take on the Chicago Red Stars on 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember, all those games are live on YouTube on the NW. USL channel as well. Taylor Lytle, thank you so much for joining us on the program. It's been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more in store for you. Stick with us. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Back here on 2 Up Front, rolling along with the show. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. No, we're not playing the national anthem right now. For those of you that are Milwaukee Torn fans, you'll understand that reference. Anyway, for the rest of you, like, what? Like, There's a video on Facebook. Go check it out. Anyway, let's talk about the NWSL and the U.S. women's national team here in our women's soccer spotlight. We just heard, obviously, from Taylor Lytle of Sky Blue FC. What a great conversation with her. A lot of fun and someone that we hope to have again on the program soon. Uh, We do have official confirmation as well that Crystal Dunn will be on the program next week. Uh, We're going to have to pre-record that interview, so depending on the references we make during that interview, it'll be like, wait a minute, that's not actually going on. So just here, but yeah, Crystal Dunn will be here with us next week. We'll hear about her time at the Olympics and how she's handling being back uh, with the Washington spirit as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, having her on before, she was great to interview. Just a wonderful, wonderful person, great attitude. So I'm looking forward to speaking with her again. I completely agree. Well, Simon, we're not that far off from the NWSL playoffs. Playoffs? I know. You know I'm going to do that every Every time. Every single time. (laughs) The NWSL postseason. Postseason? Okay, you still found a way. Either way, we're still a couple of weeks away. However, right now, the way this teams stand in the standings, it's a very interesting uh, standings right now. Washington 1, Portland 2, Western New York Flash 3, Chicago 4. Scott Blue FC right on the brink with 22 points in 5th place. And Seattle hanging around there too in 6th with 20 points. So they're only 2 wins out. However, time is running out right now for, for a lot of these teams. The Boston Breakers, they're officially eliminated. They are. They're officially done. There's no chance in the world that they're going to come back uh, and be in the playoffs. So they're the first team to be eliminated this year. Uh, looking across, though, I mean, at the four teams that are in the playoffs, I think that would be a very entertaining playoffs. However, we mentioned uh, multiple times, Seattle, they're a very good team. Having them in the playoffs would obviously make things a little bit more exciting because Chicago's a decent team, but they're not a big market NWSL team, though, right now. It's always odd to hear Chicago not being a big market, but I understand what you mean. They're not as... They're not as popular as they used to be. Right. They're not as dominant either, I mean, in, in men's or women's soccer. They just aren't. Right. But the, the the three teams above them, Washington Spirit, Portland Thorns, Western New York Flash. Yeah, the Flash has, has been struggling a bit here recently, which is a bit of surprise for yeah. how awesome they had been doing. Uh, but you're right. Those, those three teams play some... Really fantastic soccer. Of course, the Red Stars do have Kristen Press, 
who, you know, when she's on, she's on. She's scored some of the most amazing goals this season yeah. in the NWSL. Um, but, yeah, having Seattle in there, I don't know. I'm okay with Seattle not being well, of in course. the playoffs. Well, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> as a fan. I, I as a fan, you know. Of, yes. Of uh, Portland. You're like, yeah, they don't have to right. do that right now. And it would be nice to see the playoffs a little bit more spread out around the country as well instead of having it all centralized, or at least half of the playoffs being centralized on the Western Conference. Because then you'd have one in the Midwest if Chicago's there, and then you'd have one in Washington as well yeah. on the East Coast. So it'd be spread out a little bit more. Do you get what I'm saying? Am I speaking crazy? Well, you'd have two teams on the East Coast, one team in the Midwest, and mm-hmm. one team on the West. So I that's, think that's spread out a little bit yeah. more instead yeah. of having a little pocket there. I mean, I know obviously NWSL is mostly on the East Coast, but it would be nice to not have the travel. I mean, you've got a, like a full sweep in that sense, if that makes a little bit more. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm missing. I'm missing this. Are you saying? You like the spread of teams? I do. Are, okay, I thought yes. you were saying there wasn't a good no, spread of teams. No, I like the oh, spread okay. of teams. Okay. I think it would oh, be right. a, good, a good spread. I mean, if Orlando was in, that would be even better because then you've got to do a lot more traveling for those four teams that right. get in, which right. levels the playing field a little bit more, I feel like, instead I, of I get what you're having saying. to go all over. So anyway, we got there eventually. Either way, uh, yeah, looking at it right now, looking at what the NWSL has been doing this season, I think the Washington Spirit... Western New York Flash, they've been surprises this year. We knew the Spirit were a good team. We know that. We've talked to Jim Gabara. We've talked to other people on the team. However, nobody, I think, predicted them at this moment to be the best team in the league. No, and they're one team that can actually clinch a playoff spot yep. this weekend. They can. Uh, if they win versus the Pride and then the Rain lose or draw versus the Thorns and Sky Blue loses to the Red Stars, yes. the Spirit's in. And those scenarios happening are not that far off. No, and that's the crazy part about it, too. It's like, oh, my gosh, we're actually talking about clinching a playoff spot at this point too which is which is incredible so and the dash will actually be eliminated as well this weekend when they lose to the flash and the red stars when they beat sky blue fc so i like the predictions that you got there. it's very it's just it's just easier to be a realist and, at this and, point. and let's be honest now as as a show it will break our hearts a little bit i know you're officially a houston fan but yes. we've had quite a few houston dash players yeah, on yeah it's been a great organization good they're, supporters of the show they're a big conundrum though too with how many and we've talked about this numerous times. How can a team with so many talented players not be doing that that well? I think even Denise O'Sullivan, when she was on, had had made that point as well, mm-hmm. saying that she was a little bit surprised with that. And that's all they have to do is figure out each other. So maybe this is the year of growing pains. Yeah. Next year, you know, players like O'Sullivan, Brush, hopefully Carly Lloyd is back. That they all start to figure Morgan each other Bryan. out. Yeah, and I agree. And I've been a big advocate too, saying that obviously without Carly Lloyd, the team has still been good. But even with Morgan Bryan on the field. She hasn't even done that much for the right. team this season either. So if we'd have seen classic Morgan Bryan and classic Carly Lloyd on the team this season, that would have probably been a whole other scenario. I will say, so the Dash and the Spirit played each other on August 18th, mm-hmm. the first game since the Olympics. But the national team players, for the most part, are not back. So it's a little bit unfair for them because yes. you, you do have a Spirit team that's still led by an Ellie Krieger out there. Yeah. You know, taking on uh, a depleted Houston Dash. Yeah, well, she'll be back out there. I mean, you've got Joanna Lohman. Exactly. Crystal Dunn will be back as well for the Spirit as well, among others. Carly Lloyd has said she's not going to play in this in this game for the Houston Dash, so that's just a big thorn in the side there. She's like, yeah, I'm going to just I'm going to sit this one out, even though they're facing playoff elimination wow. and you're not going to get your best player. So, and I know you've got mixed feelings about Carly Lloyd anyway, Simon. Well, no, no, I've I've never had mixed feelings about her, but it's it's disappointing. To yes. hear that, yet at the same time, she's been injured all season long. She just went and played in the Olympics, so mm-hmm. first big game since injuring herself. She wants to come back slowly. So I understand that, but knowing that your team really needs you right now, yeah, 
it's disappointing to hear that you're you're not playing. I agree. I do want to talk about one thing that doesn't involve the playoffs, at least this year. I do want to talk about the fact that there is very real talk that NWSL is expanding next year. And I have not heard this. And it's California. They're they're looking to go west. The commissioner of NWSL has come out and he spoke exclusively with Fox Soccer recently and said that the league has a big plan to expand in 2017 and beyond, but right now California is the big one right now, which which makes sense. California, I mean, they're talking about going to either L.A. or San Francisco. They said they both have had huge factors in, in just the sports world as a whole, but women's soccer as well, too. When you hear the women's national team playing friendlies, they will go to L.A., they will go to San Fran, they'll go to the, the, the Bay Area a lot. So... And I mean, a team in LA makes sense to me personally with the with all the soccer culture there. It makes sense. And again, when you're talking about getting into those bigger markets and expanding the footprint of the league, they are very eastern, uh, east coast heavy. So getting some more teams out there in the West and, yep. and even even the Midwest is represented. Yeah. With Chicago with Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah. You know, so so getting another team out west would be a good thing. And we know that from what we've heard from Don Garber and a couple other people too, that they're trying to integrate more NWSL MLS connections as well too. And one of the big things that we've heard from this potential deal is that it would either be a partner team with either LAFC or even a potential Sacramento Republic when they when we all know they're gonna be an MLS at some point. Well, the league I'm, won't get around to announcing it, but we all know it's gonna happen at right, some point. Right. And I would I would actually have to say LAFC makes more sense to me just oh, yeah. with the Mia Ham connection. Exactly. Exactly. You know, for that those would, who that would know, make the most sense. Yeah, that Mia Ham is one of the many part owners of Call the, the LA LAFC. Hammers or something. I don't know. That would be fun. But uh, we also have heard rumors about you know Carolina trying to get one. I thought that that's where we were going to go was in Carolina, but we've also heard which again makes sense with the women's program exactly. at, at and North UNC. Carolina and right. even Duke as well have got great programs. Right. And then Indy Eleven as well have also expressed interest in like being a partner, which would be good hmm. for another Midwest. And we know that NWSL has a lot of room to still grow. They really do. There's only 10 teams, but if we can gradually get to maybe a 15, a 16 to 20 team league, that's still going to be the best team, still the best league in the world. Yes, and they if there's the one league, and we both wish MLS would slow down a bit with expansion, but NWSL especially has to be extremely careful yes, at the rate at which they expand cautious. and the people that are backing the clubs that are looking to expand, which again makes... A partnership with LAFC mm-hmm. that much more uh, amicable, considering all the owners that are there, yes. all the money that is behind that team. It's 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 truly amazing. I, I want to see NWSL continue to grow, and I think that it's very possible to do. But like you said, it has to be careful. It has to be well timed, and I think that the way the league is doing it right now is good. They're not. It's not every other day where you've got the commissioner on national TV like Don Garber saying, yeah, expansion's coming, expansion's coming, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we get it. No, it's for NWS. It's like, look, we're just trying to build. We're having a good time. Oh, yeah, we might add another team next year. Perfect. But we're not dropping five to six hints about where it's going to be, all the money, investors, blah, blah, blah. What we know, men's soccer is much more publicized right now based off of Absolutely. how they've done, which, right. uh, which, we, right. which we get and we understand. However, we're also big advocates for NWSL with everything they do. In, through well, through. we want to see the league grow. Yes. You know? At the end of the day, that's what we want to see grow. Uh, one thing that is not growing, Simon, is a certain U.S. women's national team player, or I should say former, her credibility. Hope Solo has come out. She's officially been suspended by U.S. soccer for six months and had her, U- her national team contract terminated as well, b- based off of her comments following the match versus Sweden, where she called the Swedish players cowards and said a lot of other things that we will not say because we like our jobs. And just, and just it was a very big rant that 
suitable of a, a local talk show or something, not something that a professional player should say at a national level, at a national tournament, at an international tournament, not even as the United States, but you're at the Olympics. You're on the, the world, world stage. The World Cup is another thing, but the, the, the Olympics, you could even say, are like a, a galaxy-wide thing. Like, they're massive. They just, they're just an entirely different thing. And uh, her comments stirred a lot of people up, and I know you at least had a couple of things you wanted to say about it. Well, it's first of all, you mentioned it. You know, it's been compared to a lot of other suspensions. The you know sexism has been brought into it. Saying, yeah. wait a second, if this was a male, would he would he be suspended? Uh, a couple of things. First of all, we did have a male in a league in a in a tournament that's run by U.S. Soccer. Rip tear apart a ref's uh, score sheet. Yeah, Clint he got, Dempsey. He, he got banned for two years. Mm-hmm. He got banned for two years from yep. this tournament. So to say that if this happened to a male player, this probably wouldn't have happened. Um, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of hypothetical situations, but what we can base it on is, is yep. things that have happened, which is why I bring up the Clint Dempsey episode. Uh, there was a player in the USL who's been banned for only two games due to a, uh, a homophobic slur that was said uh, apparently to Robbie Rogers, and people allegedly. are allegedly allegedly, and that's people are comparing that as well. Look at. I, I, I will not condone any type of any type of racial slur, mm-hmm. homophobic slur, you know, none There's of no that. There's no place for it. There's no. no place for it whatsoever. However, there I think that's also apples to oranges because in that situation, that player never came out and said, Yeah, you know what, I, I, I did say that. And that's right? the thing it, that it's gets hearsay. Us. So like, really? so had he been suspended for six months, then you're talking about a big lawsuit on your mm-hmm. hands. Uh just because a player says it happened. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it happened that way. I believe it happened. Don't get me wrong. Yes. I, and, I, and I'm okay with a suspension, especially if the player is not going to appeal it. Obviously, something happened. Yes. All right. Uh, but I think that's a bit of an apples-oranges comparison. Mm-hmm. Hope Solo, as you said, said this on live TV representing the red, white, and blue. I also believe that this wasn't just about this incident. I think it was about her and her husband stealing a U.S. soccer van Drunk, driving around, yeah. uh, the whole domestic violence thing yeah. that happened. So I think the mistake that was made here, Baxter, is U.S. soccer not adding that to it in their statement. Yes. Not coming out and saying, look, here's the deal. This this was the tip of the iceberg for us. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. She's not represented our country well. She's not represented U.S. soccer well. Mm-hmm. So it's time that we say goodbye. That's where U.S. soccer made a huge mistake, where they made it sound like it was just about the coward statement. Because let's be fair. We know who Hope Solo is. You go up an interview after losing uh, a game that the U.S. should not have lost. Mm-hmm. you got to expect that she's going to be hot and heated and, and say something. I don't think she deserves to be suspended for six months because of what she said. I think the suspension should have happened a long time ago. And I agree with you on that one. And I will say the only reason, and it's unfortunate, is how we see so many other guys and gals, mostly guys, because that's we've only have more we've had more of that reference to go off of people getting away with things like this is because of their name, because of the impact that they have, and the, how much money the teams and associations what make sport, off of but, those. But people like to compare it to other sports. I know, and that's what the about thing. what U.S. soccer player has come out and said something like this? What U.S. soccer well, player has gone many, on a? And that's the thing. How many soccer players in general have ever done anything like this? Not many. 
you don't see Ronaldo, you don't see Messi, you don't see David Beckham with everything. You don't see those guys out there throwing their mouth. Mia Hamm never probably tossed anything out. Christine Lilly gals that run U.S. soccer. Sure, Clint Dempsey and Landon Donovan have had little things here and there, but never anything to this magnitude. So I think U.S. soccer probably was sitting here going, saying, we don't know what to do with ourselves right now because we've never had someone that is a global figure that has earned us millions, maybe billions of dollars in everything that she's done for us. How do we nicely not you know bite the hand that's feeding us. well here's here's the funny thing too is the union has come out and said mm-hmm. you know this violates her first amendment rights mm-hmm. which drives me up a wall all the first amendment rights protect you from is getting jailed for what you say exactly and there, when, there's a fine line with all of that but yeah. when it's an employer look yeah. yeah i've got all the right in the world to go to my employer and say you know what? i think you're a jerk yeah. but he's got all the right in the world or she has all the right in the world to then fire me exactly for saying that. at the end of the day u.s soccer is the one that's signing hope solo's checks it's that like you said it is a job i mean if i go to my boss tomorrow and say i you know all these things about you and the job that i think you're doing i'm not going to have a job after that conversation you know but it's it's obvious that's it's a very you know one-on-one and i think people forget about that when it comes to sports that they are these people's jobs this is how right. they make their right. money it's like if you take away Hope Solo playing for the rain and playing for the U.S. soccer, she's not doing anything else. She doesn't have a 9-to-5 job that she's going to. It's not like she's just playing for this team like a Sunday rec league when then she just goes back to her normal job. It's like, no, this is her job. And you like, I agree with you. It, your, your consequences have to be held to a certain account. That's why you hear broadcasters getting fired, too, for comments they make on the air as well, right. too. It's like, hey, you said something that doesn't reflect your company's beliefs or your boss's beliefs, and now you're gone. And we've seen that happen a ton of times. It just happens almost every every month, I feel like, sometimes. Yeah, so it's it's obviously a messy situation. It's not as black and white as I think some people are trying to make it out to be. Uh, U.S. soccer, as I mentioned, is at fault for some of this, yeah. for trying to make it a black and white uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I don't really fault her too much. I think what she said is, is disgusting, I, I, completely n- classless. Yeah. Uh, but it's the heat of the moment. So again, it's there's a bit of a gray area here, yes. but at in the end, looking at the big picture of what Hope Solo has done, how she has demeaned U.S. soccer in the past, and with this now, ultimately, I don't have a problem with this. Now, if you want to bring in other comparisons, they got to be apples to apples, and it's it we really don't have exactly. another apple comparison to. This. And we've heard people dropping the Ryan Lochte comparison as well too, saying, "Well, well, he." You know, he lied and did all this stuff, and people are like, "Well, he he only you know he didn't really get a slap on the hand. He lost four sponsors. Like he's he, lost millions he of just dollars, lost millions of, of dollars. Yeah, because he was drunk on TV and said something stupid in an interview. Like he just lost himself personally millions of dollars, as you mentioned. It's it's ridiculous. And and in his interview with Matt Lowry, yeah. or Matt Lauer, he had said it was now. Kind of stupid because he said, well, I over-exaggerated. No, you you lied. Yeah. Uh, but he did say, I take full responsibility for mm-hmm. this. It was stupid. I shouldn't have done yes. it. It was, I, I made a major mistake. Uh, you know, again, we don't hear that from Hope Solo. What, what, the the statement that she published, which I don't have in front of me. I'm trying but, to find but it, But was yeah. basically, um, you know, I said some things and, and I've represented this team. I, I, I am who I am and that's why I play the way I play. Okay. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is you're going to continue to speak like this yeah. if you were to lose a game. And U.S. soccer is saying we don't want that anymore. And I, I've got the official statement here from what she said. She said, for 17 years, I dedicated my life to the U.S. women's national team and did the job of a pro athlete the only way I knew how. 
with passion, tenacity, and unrelenting commitment to the best goalkeeper in the world, not just for my country, but to elevate the sport for the next generation of female athletes. In those commitments, I have never wavered, and with so much more to give. I am saddened by the Federation's decision to terminate my contract. That's the first, and then she's got one other thing she says. I could not be the player I am today without being the person I am, even with even when I haven't made the best choices or said the right things. My entire career, I have only wanted the, I've only wanted the best for this team, for the players, and the women's game, and I will continue to pursue these causes with the same unrelenting passion for which I play the game. So no apology. No. 37,000 people have liked that on Instagram so far. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan of it. I don't think and she's basically saying, "Look, yeah, I mean she's she's passively saying, "Yeah, I know what I did was wrong, but I'm not going to I don't gonna, care. I'm not going to apologize for it. I don't care." This fed, I mean, she already knows she's on her way out of the federation anyway because she's might not play in the next Olymp or next World Cup because she might be too old. So, at this point, she's like, "Look, I'm done with my career. Like, drop the mic. I'm going to leave now." Kind of a thing, which you can't do. You just can't. You can't if if you're disappointed. It is if you're hope solo and you've gone through as much quote unquote adversity and given so much to the game. Well, you'd care more about the impact that you're leaving now. How many parents of young girl soccer players are trying to now answer these questions for their their up and coming girls that play or that are goalkeepers that are like, I want to be like hope solo when I get older. And now the parents are probably saying, Well, maybe you should like somebody else, maybe a listener or somebody. Well, else. I would I would challenge hope solo, and say. How does what you did elevate the game? Mm-hmm. How does that help elevate the game? Yeah. It doesn't. I agree. It's it's very it's it's hard because there's so many different ways that you can go with it because you have those other people that take all the personal stuff aside and you just look at what she's done on the field and you say yeah, they couldn't have won the World Cup without her. That's right. Yeah, they couldn't have done this. They couldn't have done that. I mean, she had whatever it was, 200 shutouts. Like, she's done a lot on the field. But you have to be a good person on and off the field. I mean, when, you're re- when you're representing the red, white, and blue. Yes. I can actually understand an argument like Charles Barkley would say, you know, I'm, I don't have to be a role model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. Exactly. But, uh, but when you're representing the red, white, and blue, it's a different story. Exactly. When it is your country and not your club that you're representing. If this was all going on with Seattle Rain, I feel like people would not care nearly no, as No, it wouldn't much. be as big of a deal because now you're talking club teams. Because but... then it's just all of us NWSL freaks going on like, oh my gosh, look what she said. And then the national media would be like, what? We don't care. <laughs> nobody cares. It's, it's, it's NWSL. It's women's club soccer. Like Nobody cares. But because, like you mentioned, she was on a national level, on a global level, it completely magnified the whole situation. All right, can we completely shift here and and have end the segment on a funny note? Please, I love it. Pia Soon Hondage. I think I said it right. Did I say it right yet? I never know how to say it. <laughs> I just call her Pia. Pia. Okay. So obviously the I've coach heard of Hagi. I've heard all. Soon Hagi. That's it. That's it. Soon Hagi. So she's the former coach of the U.S. Women's yep. team, and of course, coach of Sweden, who took silver. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was asked, Stupid "Do you Sweden. think you would ever be able to coach a men's team?" <laughs> Oh, God. And her answer to this reporter was, Angela Merkel is running an entire beep country. Clearly it works. <laughs> Angela Merkel is the chancellor of Germany. Yes. I just had to say, I absolutely love that answer. What a stupid question. Now, if we're talking sexism, there's there sexism is. for exactly. you. For somebody to say, oh, you're a woman, do you really think How you could teach people, a men's team? And that's a whole other topic, but the journalists that ask these questions sometimes are just absolute idiots. 
absolute idiots. I don't know. All right, I need to go to a break. Simon, you need to go to a break as By well. By the way, real quick, her, re- her reply, too, to when somebody asked her about Hope Solo's comments, she said, I don't give a crap. I'm going to Rio. She's going home. It's okay to be a coward if you win. <laughs> Boom. I love it. All right, we're going to go to Champions League after this and see who the cowards will be in this tournament. Hang with us. You're listening to Two Up Front. Welcome back in the side of the studio. Two up front, moving along. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. On to Europe. Champions! I don't have the theme queued up, unfortunately. The champions! Or whatever they do. Either way, let's talk about the Champions League. The draw was yesterday on Thursday, and now we have the full pots. We have everything, and we are ready to roll. Eight groups, lots of teams, maybe a repeat for Real Madrid. Eh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right, should we just look at the groups and kind of go from there? Sure. See what happens. All right, sure. group, group A. We'll just roll through them here for you. Uh, PSG, Arsenal, Basel, and Ludogorets. I believe they're from uh, Bulgaria. So, mm-hmm. uh, two very established, high-powered clubs, and then you've got Basel, who is okay, and then a team I've never heard of, at least in Ludogorets. I don't know if you've got anything on. No, them. this is this is only their second. Champions okay, League second appearance, Champions so. League appearance. I was wondering, I'm like, I don't really know much about them. Yeah. So um, you'd like to say that PSG and Arsenal will, will get through out of this group. Yeah, one of the interesting things, Baxter, is that PSG obviously doesn't have Zlatan anymore. They do not. And he accounted for a third of their goals last year. Hmm. That's an interesting fact. So, yeah, I think it was like five goals out of 18. So just, like I said, just about a third of their goals came from a man who's no longer with the team. So... The door it, is open for maybe someone else to finally... Uh, yeah, maybe Basel does sneak maybe through. Basel. Maybe Basel and Arsenal sneak through. Basel? Basel, I like that. Basel. Basel. I like Bosnil. it. You suck. Now, of course, everybody knows who Arsenal is. Um, it's yeah. a team that tends to get out of the group and go That's to the quarterfinals and then, yeah. and then lose. They make their quota. They have Arsene Wenger keep his job by getting right. out of the group, and then they don't do much after that. Right. All right, uh, Group B, an interesting group here. Uh, Benfica, Napoli, Dynamo Kiev, and Besiktas Yeah, th- we talked off-air that I think out of all the groups, this is actually the most well-balanced group yes. that we'll see. Um, I think Napoli will take first in this, and then the rest of them are going to duke it out for second place to see who goes through. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's my instinct anyways. But at the same time, you could easily say, well, you know what, Benfica? They've got a decent history in this tournament. Kiev mm-hmm. has a great history in this tournament. Maybe they win. Yeah. And, and of course... Well, Napoli's fairly decent, though. Mm-hmm. They've always had a good squad, and I know that they uh, surprised a lot of people with how they played in Serie A last year. I mean, we see no Milan teams, if I'm not mistaken. I don't see either Inter or AC Milan. It's just Juventus and Napoli. Right. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. So that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of... What Serie A is going through right now, so with Napoli being able to, to grab one right. of those Champions League spots. Uh, I mean, I'd like to say Napoli gets out of this, but I know Benfica and Dynamo Kiev can be a little bit topsy-turvy at times. And Besiktas, they were very good for a couple of years in the early th- 2000s, but now I don't know much about them. I don't know how they've done in recent years, though. That's the only thing that concerns me. So I can see Napoli and probably Benfica getting out of this okay. group. Okay. All right. Um, Barcelona, Manchester City, uh, Borussia, Mönchengladbach, and Celtic here in Group C. Mönchengladbach. 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 Yes. Borussia. Yes, and Celtic. Just, uh, people just call them Gladbach, I feel like. I believe, yeah. yeah. Just easier. 
for all people involved. Um, maybe another argument for some people that say, oh, maybe this is the group of death. I mean, you've got three very good teams, and then you've got Celtic. Yeah, I just don't think there is a group of death this year. I really... Which I think is good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm tired of those group of deaths. It's like, but is it... Is it really? I think we see, I'll, I'll go way out on a limb here, I think we see eventual champion Barcelona mm. take first, obviously, in this group. Yes. Uh, and you have a very interesting fact about Luis Suarez, too, don't you? About how do I? over the last two years with Barcelona, he has scored more goals than in the three and a half years. Oh, that's right, yes. Liverpool. Yes. I kind of took your fact because you weren't that's catching great. where I was going. But either way. <laughs> that works. We still got there regardless. That's an incredible fact, though, that he scored more goals in two years with Barcelona than he did in this three and a half years with Liverpool. But, I mean, let's be honest. Look at the guys that are giving him balls. Neymar, Messi, Iniesta. You know, the list goes yeah, on Yeah, a little, little bit different than his time there at Liverpool. Yeah, I don't know if I can. You know, an, an old Gerrard. It's like I will take an old Iniesta over an old Gerrard right, any right. day. Exactly. All right, Group D, Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, uh, PSV, and Rostov from Russia. Russia always some, manages to bring a, a team or two just to stir the pot a little bit. Um, PSV, we know they're usually the best team in the Netherlands as well. Atletico Madrid, they've made, they were in the final Last year again, I mean, we saw the yeah. the show that they put on with Real Madrid in the final. Just obviously couldn't finish it off, as we know that they've tried to, of course. But Bayern Munich, they're a machine as many. It's basically the German national team, as it That's always right. is, with a couple of South American players tossed in. Yeah, I, th- I think this is probably, out of, the t- out of all the groups, the, the easiest one to pick. I think so. You know, yeah. Bayern, Bayern and, and Atletico. PSV, you know, Dutch football is not what it used to be. No. When it, when it, in regards to their, to their league, it's yep. become a much more development developmental league that mm-hmm. likes to take players in, develop them, then Make send money them off. And send and, them right. off and have them be on their way. I completely agree with you on that one. I will say, um, looking here at Group E, that this one is a little bit harder to call, at least in my opinion. You've got CSK, Moscow, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, Tottenham, and Monaco. Four teams that on any given day could win. And I know that's a very soccer thing to say because anybody can win on any given day. However, Monaco, we know that they're not as bad as some people might think in France. Tottenham, they're a little shaky at times. However, Bayern Leverkusen in Germany, they've always done a really good job. If Chicharito's healthy, they've got a great yeah, offense. Yeah, and actually he is suffering from a broken hand right now, know, but it looks what, like he'll be back in time for I'm this. assuming so for that. And then CSKA Moscow, obviously in Russia, they're, I think, the best team in Russia. They, they are. They, that's how they qualified. They, they won their league. Uh, Tottenham and Monaco do have a little history. Last year they both played in the Europa League. Mm. Tottenham drew and won. So they drew 1-1 at Monaco, but at Tottenham, mm-hmm. Tottenham won 4-1. to Ah, so that's that's a possibility then for Monaco saying, hey, we've already got Tottenham's number, especially when they no. come visit us. It's the reverse. Tottenham's got their number. Oh, I'm they sorry. They drew at and, Monaco oh, and sorry. then Tottenham won. I heard won. you wrong. Okay. That's so. right. That's the theme of the show. It is, hearing each other wrong, apparently. <laughs> so, I mean, in this group, who do you predict getting out? This is a tough one. Yeah. Um, I do think Leverkusen... Ends up winning this one. Okay. Yep, I'd agree. And I'm torn between CSKA and oh, Tottenham. Really? Yeah. So no Monaco. I don't think so. I Monaco know, I, Monaco had to get in through a playoff game. That's true. And Which that doesn't mean that they won't get out of the group. No. But. Yeah, and there's always teams, too, that surprise people. And I could see this this group at least being the surprise group where they just the two teams that get out, people will be like, oh, okay, didn't see that coming, but sure, why not kind of a thing. Um, it's a little bit more clear-cut in Group F. Real Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Sporting uh, CP, and Liga from 
Poland. Poland, yeah. So Real Madrid and Dortmund should, barring, even if they played their second stringers, I think they'd still get out of this group. I would think so, yeah. Don't have to spend much time on that one. Nope, exactly. <laughs> group G, the new guys to the block, Leicester City. They won the Premier League. Uh, they've got Porto, Club Brugge from Belgium, and uh, Copenhagen from Denmark. Yeah, a little interesting factoid for you here, too. Copenhagen, or Copenhagen, mm-hmm. is the only team from Denmark to ever play in the Champions League. Really? Yeah. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. As I say, I've seen their name multiple times right. in Champions yep. League play, but I mean, De- you know, Denmark, yeah, not the greatest not the soccer greatest. hub, that's right. for sure. Uh, Leicester and Porto will likely get out, but we don't know. I mean, Leicester, they've they've gotten rid of a couple of their key players, but they still have held on to Jamie Vardy. They've held on to uh, you know uh, Riyad Mahrez as well in the midfield. So they they've got a majority of their their big players. Danny Drinkwater in the midfield. Uh, so there's there's players there that will still make a big impact for them. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting um, Leicester being in this because the history of mm-hmm. of a English team making their debut in the Champions League has not been favor mm-hmm. favorable. And this is now now we get to the point where we're talking depth. Yep. Does Leicester have the depth to handle both Champions League and uh, and the Premier League? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. That's the, that's the best. I, I think this is going to be the one team the entire way through that people are going to really just keep a sharper eye on because of everything they did last season. And not only will they be able to repeat or not in the Premier League and how they can do in Champions League with the big boys, like the bigger boys. Yeah, you'd certainly like to think that the Premier League champion is going to get out of their group, especially with, in this group. on paper, how... Probably the weakest group. Yes. You know, if you have to look at the three teams that they're playing, I'd say they have the weakest strength of schedule. In yeah, terms of who I they mean, have to if, deal with. If, if you're Leicester, you got to be incredibly happy yes, with thank you. You're thanking FIFA for accepting your bribe. Really <laughs> appreciate it. Love you guys. Uh, and then Group H, you've got Juventus, Sevilla, Lyon, and Dynamo Zagreb. Uh, Juventus, champions of Italy, as we know. Sevilla, that f- team from Spain that, is not bad, but they're not great. They did good in Euro. They always do great in the Europa League. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lyon. That's how they got in from yep. winning last year's Europa League. Yep. And and then you've got Lyon, who are not bad in France, but they're not on the same level as some of the bigger teams, especially with a team like Sevilla and Juventus. Mm-hmm. Um, Juventus wins the group, I feel like, in Sevilla. Their experience in big tournaments is going to propel them through. I think so. Yep. Exact yeah. same. Exact same philosophy I had in my mind, which is a very scary place to be. <laughs> That's why I was not there very long. <laughs> started to cry, and then I darted out quickly. Uh, so it looks like all of this stuff will be kicking off here uh, in the next com- couple of weeks, uh, as we all know, and uh, we'll definitely be keeping you updated here on the show. Claudio Ranieri, by the way, sixth team he's coached in the Champions League now. Really? Or will be when, uh, when Leicester kick off. Wow. That's incredible. Huh. Good for him. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. You never—it's the more you know, as they say, right, Simon? It'll be interesting to see. You know, with Leicester, I mean, it, they're not having the best start of the Premier League season, are they? Sitting in fifteenth place right mm-hmm. now. So we'll see if. Uh, boy, I just—it's just really interesting because I've you know last year at the end of the season I was saying, wait, everybody, hold off. You know, let them let them have the opportunity yeah. to play next year but before you start like, writing them all off. Right, here we go. <laughs> but look at—I mean—they lose to Hull City two to mm-hmm. one. You know, and they and draw they draw with Arsenal, which is you know. That's decent. decent. Yeah. But, but well, it was a very we'll underwhelming game for everything that I've yes. heard as well. So any other final factoids or thoughts before we run to a break? I, it's refreshing. You kind of said it, but it's it's refreshing to see a pretty even 
what's landscape mm-hmm. of the groups when it comes to the Champions League. And yes. it's fun to see some different teams in there. Well, yeah, the last couple of seasons we've always been like, all right, this team is going to clearly run through. I think this season it's going to be interesting. And I thought it was fun, too, to look through the groups and say, oh, look, there's no Man United. Oh, look, there's no Chelsea. You know, looking at, you know, based off how they finished last season. So how is it going to look now that you don't have some of the, the biggest names in all of world football in your biggest you know club tournament right kind of a thing you know and of course once once we get to quarterfinals i have a feeling we'll still see all the big names that barcelona we, we madrid see. all those guys juventus yeah, it's Dortmund. always the same four to six teams that'll make it all the way to the end as we know but big tournaments there's always that one team there's always that upset there's always that underdog that everybody has to jump on and hopefully support right tell you what i am not an arsenal fan but it would be fun to see them actually do something in this tournament for once rather both, than just Simon. show up and go, hey, quarterfinals, good. We're out of yeah. here. Thanks, guys. Well, they usually get drawn with Barcelona anyway. So that's, that's kind true. of their own. That's, that's they're true. always just like, come on, like anybody else. Well, that is like, fun that, that Pep goes back to Barcelona mm-hmm. with the Champions League play. That's how it always goes, yeah. I feel like. The soccer gods have a funny sense of humor. They do. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, Sonia Kondratenko is here with us on the program. She's got an exciting announcement about her career and uh, some change of address form she might have to fail out shortly as well, too. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back inside the studio. I am Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Proban. All right, two up front, rolling along as we normally do. Simon, we've had a fantastic show so far. And for those that are paying attention and listening at home, they're like, wait a minute, Simon was just in the studio. Now he sounds like he's in a tin can in an alley somewhere. Well, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a mixture of both. As many people know, not every single thing we do on two up front, Simon, is 100% in the same room at the same time. So... We it's are, true. We are, we are together in spirit, but we are not together in person, at least for this exact interview, correct? That is correct, sir. Yes, yes. Well, we are going to bring back a friend that did, I think, a fairly good job of co-hosting in your place last week, Simon. Uh, Sonia Kondratenko is back here on the show with us for uh, an interesting yet uh, exciting interview with us. So, Sonia, welcome back to Two Up Front. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. We have, uh, we, we've got a lot of things to talk about with you, Sonia, but we know that you have a very big and exciting announcement. You and I talked about it briefly last week, but we never fully announced anything because you hadn't fully announced it yet either. So uh, we kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to let our listeners know what's going on in your, in your crazy and never boring life, it feels like. Oh, never. Yeah, never boring. (laughs) (laughs) Always exhausting, never boring. Exactly, Um, yes. But I'm very very grateful that that is my life. It's a good life to live, that's for sure. I mean, I I understand that you're in the process of packing right now because you are leaving the country. Is that correct? Tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. Like, in 25 hours, I'm leaving the country. (laughs) Are you slightly terrified? Um, I'm not terrified. I could use I could use another week at home. Fair enough. Sure. sure, I can um, understand that. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I I worked all last week, and then I did NYC versus LA on Saturday. Fled New York Sunday morning to head to DC um, for DC United against the Red Bulls. 
got back home to Baltimore Sunday night and just since then I've been preparing for my big move. Ooh, and when you say big move, what exactly does that all entail, Sonia? Um, I'm leaving America. You're leaving America? To, I'm leaving America. Um, I'm not leaving soccer, though. That's oh, good. for sure. I'm moving to Venice to take a job as director of visual presentation and social media with Venezia Football Club. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. Sonia, I thought you were going to tell us that you just don't care how the election plays out. I don't wait. Look, also, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I said kind of jokingly earlier because I was in D.C. getting an emergency passport, like, I don't have to deal with American politics right now. It sounded like <laughs> such like a James no, Bond I'm thing, too. Vote. It was like, so funny. Vote, guys, don't worry. But, like, I just don't have to deal with the drama in the news every day. Exactly. You know? Some people move so. to Canada. Some you just are like, yeah, I'm, just going to, I'm just going to Italy. It's just so <laughs> much better. I'm going to eat gelato for the next yeah, couple years. Yeah, exactly. So, so when, does the, when does the season start? When does day one for you begin? Uh, I get to Venice on Friday, and our first game is Saturday. Holy so, cow. being thrown right back into into the soccer world, but I mean, I guess it seems very overwhelming, but you know, like working in game for me has very much become a process, and I'm sure once I'm there, even though I don't really speak Italian and I've never been to Venice ever in my life, <laughs> I'm sure once I'm like at a stadium, at a game, my instinct will kick in sure. and I'll be totally fine. And otherwise, but... you're like, yeah, oh, I'm perfectly qualified. I just don't speak the language or I've really ever been to the city that I'm going to. But other than that, I right. feel perfectly fine. Look, I think they wanted me for my eye, so there we go. I, that's very true. That is very well, true. Well, that does beg the question, Sonia. So you don't speak Italian. You've never been to this uh, club, as you said. You've never been to Venice. So how did this come about? Ah, this is a great question. So the club (laughs) is now, as of last year, under American ownership. So we Mm. are, yeah. So I'm going going to go over there to join a couple other Americans who are working with the club right now. Are you going on loan, or is this this a season-long loan, or...? Is, it, you, uh, is this a full transfer? This is a good. I mean, this is a full transfer. Like, I jumped my apartment. And, oh wow, that's serious then. <laughs> and um, you know, have been yeah. I mean, I, I making moves to be in Italy full time. Now, is, is the club that you're going to be a part of? Are they in Syria A or are they in Syria B? Neither, actually. Syria C, which I believe is called Lega Pro. Um, they spent most of their life in Syria and Serie B, and I think in 2002 that was the the last season that they spent in Syria. Went to Serie B for a few years after, but then you know financial troubles, relegation, kind of sure. on that that cycle up until now, and got promoted. So this year we're in third division. Oh, good. Uh, we have Inzaghi coaching, which oh, that's is right. really exciting, super exciting for me. My goodness. Um, but obviously the goal is to become a huge force in Italian soccer once again, get sure. back up, climb the divisions. You're just going to inspire the team to victory then basically through your, mm. your social media work. I hope so. That's, I mean, that's the, that's the plan. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm looking here, Sonia, just over the plans on uh, looking at ESPN FC right now uh, for when this all happened. It looks like Joe Tocopina. Is that how you say his Ta- last yeah, name? Yeah, Tocopina. Taco Pina is the one who took over the club. And of course, he, was he has with Taco Bologna. in his name. There you go. Well, <laughs> he, was, he was with Bologna, working with uh, Joey Saputo, of course, owns the uh, Montreal Impact. But plans are to build a 28,000-seat stadium for this club, and they feel that they, they already have a Serie 
B level team. Uh, so, you know, what, what are, obviously you said social media manager, image manager, what does that all entail for you and how much of the stadium project do you think you'll be a part of while you're out there? Oh, great question. So there are a lot of supporters and I, especially now, like we live in such a digital age. I don't think over the last couple of years that the supporters have been really served any kind of content that they could interact with or, you know, consume outside of like some videos and interviews, but the plan is to have like match day graphics and reactives just have a really strong visual element and fo- like photographs for every day and increase the presence across social media, like do really fun interactive like training Snapchat takeovers or when we're traveling for away days, even home games, like show you all the behind the scenes um, of that kind of thing. Have images up on Instagram, really give you a great look at like the everyday life of our club, whether mm. that's training uh presentations conferences match days so what i'm hearing is 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 you're basically in charge of of reaching out to the community so it's more of a grassroots project when it's all said and done yeah i mean i worked in before i did all this fancy mls stuff and like international soccer travels I worked in PDL here, which I love. Like, that yep. was super grassroots. It was – what we were doing was very important. We are sending kids off at the beginning of their career to USL and some MLS teams. Like, that was super important, even though at the time it seemed some very small scale and very much a labor of love. This kind of reminds me of that because we're all working towards the same thing. You know, I come from a background of, like, I, outside of working in PDL, I've always worked for, like, media companies or – companies that have worked with other teams and brands. Mm-hmm. So this is super interesting to be able to go and tell one story and, and one narrative and tell it very well. So that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Do you, and I, I asked you this off air last week, Sonia, because I, you had shared with me what was going on and I, I'm curious to, to hear your reaction again, now that you've had a, a little bit more time, especially to go to MLS games. How much are you going to miss being able to go to an, an LA NYC FC game and then all of a sudden you're at you know Red Bulls DC and you're seeing top division soccer here in America and some of the world's biggest and brightest stars to now all of a sudden, no offense to Serie C or, you know, or Liga Pro, as you say, to be seeing these, these third division players? Um, that, I mean, that's something I definitely sh- had a lot in my mind when I was making this decision is like I bounce around so freely here between we're very spoiled we have you know international teams come over in the summer and do these friendlies and tournaments and i'm in mls all the time do some nasl a little bit of usl whatever i have the freedom to kind of like hop around and go to games all over the place um and now i'm going to be working with one team all the time but the trade-off is like i'm going to be traveling around italy i'm going to be exposed to a lot of stuff that i don't get exposed to on the daily basis and i think like, you know, I can always come back. MLS is still going to be here in a couple of years. Um, it's it's always something I come back to, and I think that this opportunity was something that I really believed in and a project that I really wanted to be a part of. Hmm. And I think someone like you, as you mentioned, that have had the opportunity to, to be all over the soccer spectrum, it's time for a change. I mean, you were at Howler for a couple of years. You did the PDL thing. You're a kick, obviously, now for a little while as well. I feel like for someone like you that's always moving around and always doing things, 
it's it's a smart move, I feel like, for your career right now to, to take an, a different step, and why not make it a huge dramatic one at the same time? Oh, for sure, yeah, just totally throwing myself to the other side of the world. But like I said, I think once I'm there, everything, the instincts will kick in, and it's just like what I do on a daily basis for the last whatever, how long, um, here in the States, but just working for a team as opposed to kind of working with teams what all you, over the place, and I and I, I can understand that for sure. What are you What are you hoping to gain from this experience? You had you had mentioned to me you threw out the the two year figure to me last week when we were talking briefly. Is that something you're still thinking you want to do, or what do you? Is it just kind of you know what I'm going to go, I'm going to live life and yeah. just see what happens. I think it's definitely yeah, I'm going to go and live life and see what happens. I'm very excited. I I mean like I had this really just kind of was an opportunity that popped out of nowhere essentially um so i mean a couple months ago you asked me i'd still be living in new york i had no idea i would be in venice but i couldn't say no to this opportunity um so we're just gonna we're gonna go and it's gonna be great (laughs) and see what happens i'm i mean i'm just so excited to be somewhere that's like i i love new york i love baltimore where i am currently but like I've been in those places for a bulk of my life and to be able to go and change my scenery and be inspired. Like I went to art school. So Venice is super artsy. There's museums, there's so much culture and history. And I think being able to pull from that a little bit too, um, is going to be really great. Hmm. Yeah. And I, and I can completely understand that as well too. Simon, any other final questions for Sony before we let her roll? Not really a question, just a couple of uh, comments. First of all, again, congratulations. What a Thank you. Super exciting opportunity for you. And number two, being a theater guy myself, I love it when I hear about art students being successful. So many <laughs> oh, yeah. parents think, so many parents think, oh, art degree, what's, what's happening to my son or daughter? <laughs> but there, I spent, there, is, I there is opportunities. And, and <laughs> no, you've made a sure. bunch of them for yourself. For sure. I just got really creative with it. Like I spent eight years of my life in a dark room to now every day pretty much only take photos with my iPhone. Not that there's anything wrong with either. Like I like every now and then I'm like, I gotta start shooting more film. I gotta start shooting film again. Um, but I think for what I do and just being very mostly iPhone only and being able to share moments as they happen, being able to like, you know, share a vine of a missed penalty or something really crazy that happened in the supporter section instantly has been very beneficial to what I do. And, and has been a big part of how I got to where I am today. So I can't knock the iPhone. I do love it. Um, but it's interesting. I In college, I would have never guessed that I would be working in soccer. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that's something, though, that you've always had a huge passion about, regardless if you thought you were going to be working in it or not, though. I mean, you, you talk about oh, yeah, your, for sure. your, your olden days there with the Baltimore Blast and all those other you know teams that you, you know, love you know, immensely, basically. So I, I'm curious. I have to ask you one more question here before we let you go, Sonia, about what are some of your your go-to apps, your go-to programs that you use for all these oh, different things that you do for those out there that are maybe trying to get into what you're question. doing? <gasps> okay. I love a couple, a couple apps. Okay. Um, I never really edit photos on Instagram ever. I will never use an Instagram you don't use filter. Sepia like, or 1965 no, or whatever they are. None of them. None of them. None of them. And I look back at when I first started Instagram and everything was like Valencia filter. Yes. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that will make you look good. It makes everything nice, look, look nice and golden. Um, so 
some of my go-to favorite apps are Snapseed, which I believe is actually a Google product. And that allows me to like control, like spot edit something. If one part of the photo is too dark, I can lighten it. It just allows me to like hyper control things. Mm -hmm. Um, I call it VSCO. I think a lot of people call it Visco, but I, it's spelled VSCO. It's just four letters. Um, and that is my go-to filtering app. So like maybe after I have to like lighten up a, a piece of a photo, I will pop it in VSCO and add the filters. I am one of those, like I don't spend money on apps at all, but I bought every filter pack that there was <laughs> in this stupid app. And I still only use the same like two filters, <laughs> but I was just, the, the, the curiosity killed me. So I had to buy them. Um, those are my two favorite editing apps, but Google photos is also like, so essential to my life mm-hmm. because I can back up everything and you can search like in Google photos, you can type in something like tacos and it'll bring up every photo of tacos in my library. I can search stadium. So every photo I took in a stadium and put banana in and it'll bring up if I have any pictures of banana. So like being able to go, I remember like when Lester, when I knew it was going to happen for Lester, um, being able to go back and just put Lester in Google photos and bring up all the photos I took while I was in Lester so that I could kind of republish them out into the world. And mm-hmm. that was super helpful. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm always curious with people like you that work in the industry and are taking pictures and sharing and doing the social media thing. I'm like, they've yeah. got to have those, you know, two or three, like, you know, essential, like, look, I will literally die if I don't use these apps other yeah. you know, on a daily basis kind of a thing. Well, fantastic. Well, Sonia, I know Simon's mentioned it, and I want to reiterate it again, too. We are both so happy and so proud of you, and we wish you nothing but the best. And we we hope that we can check in with you at some point, too, once you finally get a little settled in as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, fantastic. Well, Sonia, we wish you all the best on your travels, and uh, we can't wait to see where you go next in your career as well. So thank you for taking some time on the show with us today. Thank you so much for having me on, as always. You're very welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Sonia. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, Simon and I are going to dive into the world of MLS and see just what exactly is going on with the boys up there in Canada. And we're talking about TFC, Montreal, and, yeah, Seattle, too. They're doing some things. We'll talk about that right after this. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Don't go anywhere. Back inside the studio, two up front, moving along. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Proven. All right, Simon Proven. We talked about it briefly in the last segment with Sonia Kondratenko about going into MLS now, talking about what the heck's going on up in Canada, not only with Toronto FC, but Montreal Impact, and then, of course, everybody's favorite team, the Seattle Sounders as well. But what? Uh, I know. Everybody's, everybody's favorite, favorite team. team. At this point, with how the Rebs are playing right now, Simon, I might as well look for a new team. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, yeah, well... You know they did they did get that draw on Wednesday night against San Jose Baxter yeah. with it, but it, I I did watch that game and, and I have though. to say it was oh man, uh, it wasn't a total snooze fest, but enough to make me say those are two teams. Fest. Those are two teams where they get together and it's just like this just isn't going to be a fun game to watch. They're they're the two lowest scoring teams in MLS right now. And they showed and, it last and, year. exactly. They showed it. It's not because they're playing great soccer and they just happen to be missing some close shots. Yep. They're they're just. 
boring soccer from both those clubs. Well, I, I, the revolution, we could go on for hours we about, could. about what's, what the deal is with that. I mean, Taylor Twelman even came out during the broadcast this last weekend and said it's time for them to sit Kai Kamara and start maybe Juan Agadella or somebody else. I mean, yeah. That's great that he was a goal-scoring machine for Columbus, but that doesn't mean he can mesh well with Lee Wynn and Kellen Rowe and everything else that the offense is trying to do. The whole club is a mess, and... You know, you wonder how much of this does fall on Jay Heaps. You wonder how much of this falls on yeah. the players. I've and seen a lot of fire Jay Heaps or questionable, like, should Jay Heaps still have a job right now with the Revs? Well, it's we've seen other coaches get fired for, for, for less. It's true. I mean, you look at the everything that Jiggy Smith did for the Seattle Sounders, and he still lost his job. I mean, Jay Heaps hasn't won a single piece of hardware to mine. Well, he won the Eastern Conference before they went to the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But still, like, if that's the only trophy you've got over your five or six years, I think, that he's been with the club— you need more. You well, just, that is, you demand more, and that is one of the biggest questions, though. I guess with with the Jay Heaps era is that they have made the playoffs. I believe almost every, every year, year that except he coached. for once, I think yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think they so, were like atrocious his first year, but yeah. Details, and really. of course, you can't put that on him. Just like what's going on with Orlando right now, you can't put that on Jason. Exactly, Christ. Jason Christ is in the middle of figuring out a lot of things. So, uh, but yeah, no. Last week in MLS was interesting. Um, of course, let's let's. Let's talk about Toronto FC first, I think, because that's a team that has been ripping through everybody. You know, it doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter where they are. We were questioning if they could win on the road. Obviously, they can. They went to Philadelphia. They beat them 3-1. Giovinco can't stop scoring. He can do it with his eyes closed. It's almost safe to say that Toronto is even maybe the best team in the league at this point because FC Dallas has been floundering recently. Add to that, they were just in Orlando as well on Wednesday night, and they end up winning... Two to one there as well. They they find ways to win. They are a, a, almost a through and through team, which is interesting because they're doing it without the big guy. I mean, they're doing it with Giovinco and Josie Altidore scored goals here and there, but Michael Bradley hasn't been around. He's been very pedestrian. You haven't seen him doing anything. But it's been other guys. It's been Marky Delgado. It's been those younger guys. Hamilton. Yeah, Jordan Hamilton has been fantastic. And I think, and I've heard this mentioned in a couple places too, it's great that TFC had all the injuries they had in the beginning of the year because it forced them to bring their little guys up and say, look, you got to grow up now. And they did. And that's why they've got so much depth now. And here's the thing, Baxter. They play nothing but Eastern Conference teams the rest of the way. And we all know how, how weak the East can be. But the way in which they are going through these games and they're not just winning they're destroying these other yeah. teams they well, are they're totally on fire there's there's no more scary team in MLS right now for all the other teams than TFC no i completely agree with that i mean even going up against a team like the Philadelphia Union last weekend a team that we know has a great goalkeeper in Andre Blake. And they made him look silly. They scored three goals on him. They embarrassed the Philadelphia Union defense. Say what you will about, oh, Bedoya was on the field. Well, yeah, that even makes you look even worse. It's like, well, if you had your best players on the field and you still got run out of your own stadium, that's a pretty big sign saying, look, Toronto FC, they're here, they're mean, they're scary, and they're not going to take crap from nobody anymore. And, you know, we like to rip on the East, as I just did a second ago, but I don't care if this team was in the West. TFC... I think would still be at the top of the table going for that supporter yeah. shield. They'd be top in the West. They're just red hot, especially when you consider Baxter. Again, yes, they they won that game in Philadelphia 3-1. Then they go to Orlando. Greg Vanny made five changes in his lineup, and they still yeah. come out ahead 2-1. to one. Well, that's the beautiful part about it. It's because it's that depth, though, as we exactly. mentioned. Anybody can step on the field for Toronto FC now and say, look, we don't need Bradley. We don't need Altidore. Well, I mean, they, they do it. I mean, if you take Giovinco off the field, then obviously that changes their dynamic, Absolutely. of course, because it allows the other players to have that freedom to move. That's why Josie Altidore is scoring goals again, because people are like, well, I got to pick one, Gio or Josie. I'm going to cover Gio, obviously, because he's a much more superior threat right now. But 
it's amazing though because how many how many weeks of this season Simon have we sat here and said look even the you know the the worst the, the best team in the playoffs and the, the best team in the Eastern Conference wouldn't even make like the fifth or the sixth seed in right. the West and now all of a sudden TFC and New York City FC would be in the top three in the West or the top four potentially well, not only that Baxter but let's be honest switching gears just a little bit but mm-hmm. staying on the same topic. I have to admit the West is pretty weak so far. I feel like surprisingly I feel like weak. They've been, they've been playing too many Eastern Conference teams. They've kind of almost inherited their issues <laughs> right. now because they're like, but oh, we don't know how to score goals anymore. Look at Sporting Kansas City, who we still don't know who they are. They're an they're, eleven they're, win they're, team this year. That blows my mind. And they're a fifth seed in the West. Yeah, LA Galaxy, who's doing horrible. Yeah. They've, they've, yes, they're on an unbeaten streak, but most of those have been draws. Yep, twelve. They're draws. sitting in fourth. Uh, Real Salt Lake's been a nice surprise. Yep. Colorado Rapids obviously been the surprise of the year. Sure. Not for me, but for everybody else. Yes. Uh, and even FC Dallas is looking a little weak. But but you look at the four teams sitting outside of the playoffs. San Jose Earthquakes. Well, Seattle Sounders, that's a different story. Yes. But Vancouver, who the heck are the Whitecaps this Nobody year? Nobody knows. Houston Dynamo, few good games here or there. Sure, but, but they're pretty very horrible. Spotty, yeah. Uh, so the conferences at this point are pretty even keel which when you is really amazing. look at them. Except I, I think it's, it's, when, you, when you look at the top part of the East, yeah. I think the, t- the top part of the East, those are the best teams right now in MLS. Well, yeah, TFC and NYC FC, I feel like, are unrivaled. I mean, FC Dallas, we wanted, would say, would be able to blow any team out of any stadium, but that hasn't been the case recently. They haven't been able to consistently prove that they can go into any stadium and say, look, we are the best team on the field tonight. They just don't do that anymore. And they're a young team. Do you think perhaps this part of the season is starting to catch up with them. And that's that is why, possible. That's why we're seeing I think it's a mixture out. of that, but then it's also still all the issues that go back to Fabian Castillo leaving, too. It was such an abrupt departure. It wasn't like a, hey, he's leaving, say your goodbyes. It's like, no, nope, boop, he's gone. So there was no, there's no closure there. That's you a great take point. A, you take one of the arguably the best players in the entire league and just drop him out of your team, all of a sudden your team is scrambling to figure out, well, where are these extra goals? Where are these other creative plays coming from? And that's the thing we see in TFC. Even when Gio's not scoring yeah. goals... He's giving tons of assists. Baxter, he 16 goals on the season, obviously leads the league. But sure. this part of it hasn't been talked about as much. He's second in the league in assists. Yeah. 13 assists right behind Sasha Kleschen That's with 15 assists. That's absolutely amazing, too, that he is He's so selfless. Like he just He's like, yeah, I'll take the shot. Or, you know what, hey, you're open. I'm going to give you the ball. Well, and it shows how intelligent of a player he mm-hmm. is as well. He knows when to pass the ball. He knows when to take the shots, which is why, call him back to the Euros, it was, it's unfathomable that he was not playing for Italy I in the Euros. I still don't understand that. And I mean, I know Italy surprised a lot of people and can say, oh, we didn't need him. We did a good job. But at the end of the day, though, they miss that consistent scoring threat, though. Some of their best players were guys that play farther down the field on the midfield and had to come all the way up to track. I mean, Italy center backs, as we know, are very good when it comes to set pieces, but you can't win a single every single game off a set piece. You have to be able to play in the run of play, and you know, and I could go on about that as well for a long time. It's just, it's insane. Well, Baxter, a team I would like to talk about is the New York Red Bulls. Yes, let's and talk the, about the main them. reason I want to talk about them is I had Bradley Wright Phillips on my fantasy team sure. for uh, you know a couple of couple or three weeks. Yep, and I decided I need to pick up somebody else, so I picked up Drogba. In that time, Bradley Wright Phillips has scored four goals. <laughs> He's ah. now got 15 goals on the season. Uh, you know, we're talking about TFC. But he's the, such a pocket scorer, though. But he's he's on fire. And Sasha Kleschen, with the amount of assists that he's getting, with the amount True. of passes and the types of balls he's getting to Bradley Wright Phillips, that's another dangerous com- combination that we're seeing in the Eastern Conference. I agree with you on that one. It's funny to, to look, though, too, because when you look through the teams and you look about the playoffs, and I know we talked about this before, too, can your team win on the road? 
the Red Bulls cannot win on the road. They've got one win. They are one seven and six on the road this year. That's not an MLS Cup champion team. That's I mean, it's one thing to have Bradley Wright Phillips and Sasha Kleshin playing at high caliber levels, but if you can't go on the road to to play a second leg of a playoff series or go on the road to a potentially better Western Conference team for an MLS final. That it all doesn't mean anything. I need to see well, more road wins from them Dev- before the season's done. Devil's advocate, all you need is 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 to hold a team when you're on the road in the playoffs, it's and you true. need to win big unless at home. you lose at home or unless you draw right. at home, right. and you need to get that farther. That and that's what I'm home. saying with the way the Red Bulls are playing. I don't see them yeah. losing at home in the playoffs. Well, have, at least not have, the first. They round. have the best home record this year. They're nine two and one. I mean, you, well, that's debatable. FC Dallas and Colorado are nine zero oh, and four. So, but in the Eastern Conference, but still in the Eastern Conference, they're miles above everybody else when it comes to home wins. And interesting, you know, they they go to. DC United, they're up two nothing, and then they end up giving two goals. But again, and it's things you, like that you, that worry me. It, it is, but United's also one of those teams that has always seems to have the Red yes. Bulls number. That's you know the Atlantic Cup. It's, it's, an a, it's a great rivalry. rivalry. Yes. Now, if the season were to end today, we're looking at the New York Red Bulls playing the Philadelphia Union. I have no worry. I have no concern for the Red Bulls at that point. I You're really right. don't. Well, it's well, yes and no. Don't they? They would play DC United first, wouldn't they? Or do they play? No, no you're no. right. It would, it's no uh, Montreal and DC would play you're for right. that they play, play each game. other. That's right. whatever. Always, would, yeah. This new format always plays <laughs> with my head. It's well, always... for the for the listeners out there, so five and six play each other yes. for a, a, basically a play-in game for the playoffs, and then the top seed would end up playing that team. Yes, and then uh, how do, now? How does it work here? Now I'm now I'm messing up. Or is it three, four, five, six? Three plays six, four plays five. So the Red Bulls play DC United, Philly plays Montreal. You're Those right. are all one yes. leg knockout yes. rounds. And then TFC would play the lo- the, the weakest team left, and the NYCFC would play the, the second right. weakest team right. left. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, but that, that that begs the question, though. I mean, they they would have to go play DC United again. You know, they would host DC United. They so would. there's that. That that would work. But out But again, in their on favor. the road, it was 2-2. Yeah. So. Uh, that actually would work in their favor because they get those two away goals. Yeah, and we know that Red Bull Arena is a very hard place to win. Absolutely. So that would work out well for them. Hmm. Certainly something to be uh, intrigued about. I, I want what, I'm sorry. What nope. would be great, again, is if, again, playoffs ended today. Let's say New York advances. That sets up a New York City, New York Red Bulls playoff game. And I hope so. Playoff I game. think that, that would and be that, fantastic. And, of course, as we, we know, too, that the Red Bulls would find a way to win because NYCFC can't ever That's beat right. the Red Bulls. <laughs> it's just one of those situations. They could be, you know, 100-0 on the season and play a 0-100 Red Bulls, and they'd still lose Ten to zero, probably. That's just that's just all, always how it goes. Well, I think New York City FC is one of the few teams that actually their home field works against them. Yeah, it's so small. It's when one you of got those players things. like Pirlo and Lampard. They need that space. They need the space, and that's why they have such a good road record. They're six four and three. That's right on the road. Better home record than uh, or better away record than home record. Yes, I agree with you on that one. Let's um, let's go to the Western Conference for a moment and talk about the Seattle Sounders because. There's not a bigger team that you and I think is a more thorn in the side of just MLS as a whole because we we just don't like the Sounders. That's just <laughs> and everybody has their own opinion and we know that and the Sounders if you step back and take off our team jerseys we're very happy with how that soccer culture is in Seattle. Oh, like absolutely. It's, it's it's incredible. You really want that kind of a soccer culture. However, from an annoying perspective from you who's a Timbers fan <laughs> that is watching them crawl up the standings right now and me that's just like nobody likes Seattle go away Sounders. They're starting to surprise a lot of people. Well, Baxter, they've overcome a lot of adversity. They deserve everything that they're getting right now, and I and I, I do mean that as an objective fan. Sure. Look, at Ladero was a great move. They it's made a, a bold move. move in getting rid of Siggy. 
Uh, Dempsey came back, got a hat trick, a couple of goals. Him and Morris are finally starting to figure each other mm-hmm. out. Uh, Alonzo and Ladero in the midfield are playing well. Stefan Fry continues to be a great goal, not a great, but a good goalkeeper. Uh, so there, to me, it's that the Sounders are really starting to figure everything out. Look, the Timbers are sitting in sixth place. They're not going to make the playoffs with mm. with the back line that they have right now. Ridgewell is the only guy really in there with the experience of winning that cup. Yeah. Uh, and he's been a, a bit of a disaster lately. So their their back four is not going to allow them to make the playoffs. I think perhaps in retrospect, getting rid of Kwarsi and making Gleason your number one guy has turned out to be a mistake. Gleason is really starting to fall off a bit. So I don't think the Tibbers are going to make it. I don't think the Earthquakes are going to make it. No. I think Seattle's going to sneak in there. Seattle it is. And when they play this weekend for the final leg of that Cascadia Cup, when they take each other on, that's going to be the defining factor at that point. You're right. Because if Seattle wins, they will go to 34 points and they will move into sixth place and Portland would fall out of the playoffs perspective. Now, had San Jose beaten New England on Wednesday night, that would have, of course, played it a different way. But Seattle at this point, a win and they're potentially through. Right, and again... Based off of how San Jose plays. Going back to history, the interesting thing, it seems to be when Seattle has a game in hand or games in hand, they tend to drop the ball. Mm -hmm. But they're starting to really gel together here. They're hitting a hot streak. So again, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing them winning on Sunday against uh, against the Timbers. And we see San Jose keep getting these draws that they like to... 11 draws on the season so far, <laughs> including Wednesday night. That leads the, uh, almost leads, the, I guess the Galaxy have more draws. Galaxy but more but draws, they're, yeah. they're second in the West with draws. I don't, and Houston's not going to make it. No, Houston's Vancouver. not. I mean, and that's the great part about it, though, too, obviously, is every single team around still has an opportunity to make the playoffs. But I want to go back to Portland for just a second, Simon, because they're the only team in the entire league that has not won at least one game on the road this year. They haven't. Uh, you know, I think... Yes, they haven't at the same time, Baxter. And this is not me being a Timbers fanboy. I promise you that. I'm not defending them. They should have a victory. But they've got some really decent draws on the road. They do. Against some yes. good teams. Yes. Against some really good teams. Um, so, yeah, they haven't gotten that road win. Obviously, it would help. But it's not of a big a deal to me as perhaps it is to somebody who's not a Timbers fan. Yes. And I, I think from an outsider looking in, I think that would raise a lot of alarms and saying, well, this team can't win on the road. Sure, they've got six draws, but they've also lost seven times on the road. Even even the worst team in the league, even the Chicago Fire, they got their first road win in 25 months this last week right. by beating Montreal right. 3-0. So it's it's crazy that you know, well, again, it's when, in that situation. When, when you have a back line that's basically a bunch of backups. Yeah. You can't expect to do well, and that's that's one of the poor things that we all know know about with MLS across the board mm-hmm. is these teams are not able to have the depth that they want to have. Now, I thought going into the season that they would have more depth. You know, when I wrote my article for Vavil USA and sure. did the preview, these players haven't been performing. Of course, there's been some moves that have uh, changed all of that as well. Uh, you know, Dayron Esprit, of course, not with the team anymore, and yep. I was a big fan of his. So, well, even he, even a guy like Nagby, he's been very ineffective since he's come back from no, Go, from, and, and again, from Copa America. this this all goes back though to that to the starting four for the Timbers. If you don't have a back line that can get the ball to the midfield, then your midfielders can't perform. I agree. I completely agree. All right, I want to talk about Montreal really fast before we make some predictions as well, because Montreal number one. <laughs> Yes, has been crashing and burning, even with Drogba on the field. That's the thing. Uh, and Piatti. And Piatti as well. Too. We know Piatti obviously is a very talented 
player. We know that. However, uh, the fact that they lost 3-0 to Chicago at home at to a home. team that hasn't won on the road in 25 months. Well, you know who can, everybody can, all the Impact fans can blame is, is me. Of course. Because, because what did I, you, you like, uh, I picked up Drogba and Piatti from a fantasy and team. And they're like, ah, well, I've had, I don't, I don't know if I have Piatti on my fantasy team anymore. Either way. It's it's so concerning because this was a team, Simon, that you and I both were like, yeah, this Montreal team is going to be really good this year. And obviously there are still games left to be played, so let's not completely fly off sure. the bandwagon. Yeah. But they've lost two of their last three. And the teams, the games that they have won, I mean, they beat Houston 1-0, and they beat Philadelphia 5-1. We know Philadelphia recently hasn't been playing well. We know Houston's a bad team. Then they lose to the Red Bulls, they lose to Chicago, and then they just drew D.C. United for the second time in a couple of weeks. So... I'm not really buying what Montreal's trying to sell right now. I know that they had gone on a stretch with not losing a lot of games, but even with Drogba on the field and Piatti, you can't always rely on just those two guys. You need a better supporting cast. Dominic Oduro's not going to be enough to get them through the rest of the well, season. He's, if they he's need a sub at this action. point anyways. Exactly. Evan Bush is a good goalkeeper, but he needs help, as with any good right, goalkeeper. Right. Uh, Simon's had a decent season. Laurent Simon had sure. in the back there. But he um, was gone for a while, too, with exactly. the Euros. Well, I just, you look at the players they have, the, their supporting cast, Donadell, yeah. uh, you know, in the midfield there as well. It's, it is, it's, I, I don't know what to make of it because this is a team that is built to win. And yet they can't. Because or if they do yes, win, it's not against good teams. Right. Like you said, you know, Simon was gone, but he's been back now. Yeah. And they, they continue to lose. And actually, when he wasn't there, they were doing well. They, the Montreal Impact have won four games since May 28th, if that helps bring anything into perspective for anybody. They beat the Galaxy 3-2 back on May 28th. And then since then, they beat New England, they beat Philly, and they beat Houston. Otherwise, they've had a ton of draws and, a, and three losses in that span as well since the end of May, basically. Well, and you know, one player that, that's been not been playing very much is Harry Ship as mm-hmm. well. I, and, and we were wondering, too, about him leaving a, a team like Chicago, where he was one of the main focuses. Well, of course, he didn't choose to leave. But. Well, of course. And <laughs> as with any transaction like that, you never know. And I think right now, if you're a Chicago Fire fan, you're begging, saying, look, we would love to have Harry Ship back on this team right now because we'd play him, because we need a couple of more attacking right. options while Montreal is maybe wasting a chance to give a young, budding player an opportunity. But when Ship has been on the field this year, though, and I've watched a couple of Impact games, I haven't been that impressed. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a you know, what's the lesser of two evils kind of a situation, really. There's a lot of different ways you can go with it. Really, there is. So I don't, I don't necessarily know. I do want to give a fast shout-out, though, of course, to Chicago. Um, they have not lost a game since August 6th, so they've almost gone a full month without losing a game, so good for them. Well, and again, the biggest news for them, as you said, is getting a road win for the yep. first time in two years. <sighs> it's, it's amazing. So congratulations yeah, to the Yeah, good fire. for them. And, 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 the, and Akam, or Akam yeah. con- continues to play incredibly well. Such a Such a great player. Gets a PK the other night as well. He's and he's fun to watch. Yeah, and the funny part slash sad part is that the Chicago Fire is six points out of the playoffs. Imagine, imagine Akam being on Toronto FC. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, imagine Akam on, yeah, on TFC. That would, yeah, on pretty much any or even FC Dallas, where they they kind of lost that Fabian Castillo yes, bringing right? a guy like Akam in. Yeah. And I, and I could see that. He's not a DP, I don't think, is he? I don't believe so. I don't so. know. I'd, I'd have, have to go back and yeah, look. Yeah, we'd have to look for sure. But yeah, David Akam is a, a truly special player that that's just one of those players that you you got to see in person. And you've got a chance to see him in person. I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks, too, when I go to that Revs Fire game, uh, which I'm really excited for regardless. Oh, he is a DP, technically. So okay. you, do, you do throw that 
in there, of course. So, all right. Uh, do we want to predict a couple of games for this upcoming sure, week? Sure, let's Simon? predict a couple of games. All right. Uh, looking ahead to this weekend's worth of action uh, here tonight, Friday night, Viernes de Football, RSL and Colorado will be duking it out. The Rocky Mountain Cup. Yeah. And and I've heard r- people saying that this is the first time a Rocky Mountain Cup has really, truly meant something in a, in a, in a while, in yeah, a couple of years. Absolutely. You know, we know RSL was really good for a lot of years. We knew Colorado had that one MLS Cup run, but the last time that both of these teams were exceptionally good, it's been a while. It, it has truly been. has. It but, has been. Um, based off of the way both of these teams are playing right now, Colorado still hasn't really been doing it for me. Ever since that NYCFC blowout, I've just kind of been like, you know what, Colorado, you're good, but I can't be satisfied with all these draws. And RSL, on the other hand, has found ways to, to win. I mean, they've done a great job, and they're doing a lot with not very much at the same time. Yeah, for me, what it comes down to is the goalkeepers. Tim Howard, Nick yeah. Romando, both of them are shutout kings. Yep. And I think that's it's going to end up that way. Hmm. Uh, if anything, RSL might have the upper hand because they actually have guys who can score goals. Yeah. Plata uh, being one of them. But I think with the way the back four for Colorado plays, the way the back four for RSL play... It's it's going to end up a zero zero or one one draw. Hmm. I'm going to go with RSL in this one. I, I right. I'm taking that actual scoring threat in that in this game. Uh, DC United playing host to the Chicago Fire. Hey, the Fire! They they won their first road game in in 25 months. Are they feeling uh, double down here? Or well, here's another team that's been quietly doing well. Baxter yeah. is DC United that's four game thing. unbeaten yeah. streak. They, uh, as we mentioned, they they drew the other night. Yeah, uh, it's actually I'm sorry, it's five game unbeaten streak. They drew with the Red Bulls. Yep. Uh, Wednesday night they drew with Montreal, beat Portland two zero, which unfortunately that's not saying much. And then they had a couple <laughs> of draws again with Montreal and with Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, so this this game is is a bit up in there. Remind me where this one's being it's played. At DC at. United. It's at DC. I'm. I've got. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with DC. Are you okay? Yeah, I've got DC United in this game as well. I think just the way that. As you mentioned, DC, they just have that couple of more options at the end of the day. They've got a stronger defense, better goalkeeper, and they just have those couple of more attacking options. Patrick Mullins has been getting a lot more time on the field, which has definitely benefited uh, both you know the offense and his personal you know overall playing as a whole too. So his confidence level has gone through yeah, the roof. Yeah, I have to say, I was I was a little surprised that uh, Taylor Kemp only played some of the game yeah. on Wednesday night. But again, he's been one of their better players. Probably mm-hmm. just needed some rest on those legs, and it worked out well for DC. Exactly. All right, uh, Philadelphia playing host to Sporting Kansas City. Philadelphia, they've been struggling recently. Sporting Kansas City, Dom Dwyer and Benny Fellhopper have been doing a good job of putting the ball in the back of the net for both sides. Sporting Kansas City is going to go on the road and get a victory in this game. You know, they they're still have doubts with a number of players, including Graham Susie. So I'm actually going to go the opposite side here and take Philadelphia Union. Okay. Uh, Columbus Crew playing host to San Jose. One of those games that most people probably won't watch because it sounds like a really boring game. Well, you know, it does. But at the same time, Columbus lets in so many goals, they end up being It ends up becoming <laughs> a fun game. Games. Exactly. Um, I actually am going to take Columbus in this game because they have been on a quietly doing, doing small things. And I think it would be interesting to see them beat a San Jose team that is probably better than them. But Ola Kamara, Ethan Finley, Justin Merrim, they're playing exceptionally well. well. I'll tell you the game that again that they had Wednesday night. Uh, I'm blanking on who they played. And I even watched some of this game, but they went down, they drew, then they <laughs> went down about 30 seconds later. They beat, they lost to Philly too. Phil, yeah, that was Philly. Okay, thank you. Uh, but but yeah, there were some positive things in there, and they were really what's exciting about Columbus is they don't sit back. You know, they're not saying, you know what, we're not winning games. Let's sit back and and yeah. just absorb some of this. They they continue to push forward. Um, 
But I do see San Jose taking this game. Sure. No, I, I can understand that, especially from a, a, a perspective of having guys like Simon Dawkins, Chris Wondolowski, David Bingham. They've got great players. Yeah, I know Simon Dawkins picked up a slight injury on Wednesday, and he's, yeah. he's a bit of a doubt right now. But we'll, if he does play, he is one of those players, again, can that's, change that's fun. Exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. fun to watch. All right, TFC playing host to Montreal. Uh, you'd like to think in a rivalry game like this that both teams are going to come to play. However, Toronto is just unstoppable right now, and I think that they're going to just continue to take advantage of what Montreal has not been able to do. Yeah, you know, my if, if people were to ask me the fantasy question, do you play Drogba, do you play Piotti in this game? It, it's one instance where I would have to say maybe. There it is. There's my definitive answer maybe. for you. Because, or maybe you say yes, because in a bigger game, sometimes those players have the opportunity to step up. Right, exactly. And uh, I, I do think TFC is going to take this game without a doubt. They're yes. going to step up and take it big time. But but it is true. It's are they going to are they going to play well? Is is Montreal going to put up a fight, or are they so tired from trying to put up a fight that TFC is just going to roll all over them? I think it'll probably be more of a TFC roll right now. All right, uh, Houston hosting FC Dallas. Regardless of how FC Dallas has been a little spotty, they're still a far superior team than what the Dynamo are doing. They are, but the Dynamo are at home. So this this is my upset pick of the week. I'm actually taking Houston in this one. I had a feeling you might take that one. All right, Vancouver visiting the Los Angeles Galaxy. Uh, Galaxy are coming off of a 2-2 draw with the fire. And then a 1-0 loss to NYCFC last right. week. Right. Now, part of their troubles is Rowe has been injured, their goalkeeper, yep. uh, head injury. And, of course, they haven't had Robbie Keane due to an injury. But also, Robbie Keane will be gone Wednesday mm. as he's retiring from international play. So he's playing his last game with the ah. Irish national team. So I'm I'm wondering, even though he's going to be back from injury, if maybe he actually still won't play as much, maybe he has an agreement with the club. Nevertheless, i got to take L.A. over Vancouver. Same for me. Yeah, Vancouver. I'm just trying to sound smart today, Baxter. Of course. No, I, I appreciate you trying <laughs> to do that. It makes everybody feel and really want to be smarter overall. Uh, the Red Bulls playing host to the struggling New England Revolution. I don't see a way that the Revs win this game unless they, of course, score more goals because that's logistically how it works. But, no, I think New England is they, – they're just sputtering right now. I mean, if they go into Red Bull Arena and manage to grab a draw, that's obviously great. But – the Red Bulls have so many different players that are firing on all cylinders, and they just completely exceed what the Revolution are doing right now. And, uh, you know, healthy players. That's, a, that's, here's, a, that's here's a key a, thing. Here's a fun stat for these Revolution fans out there. Okay. On the road, the Revolution are averaging giving up two and a half goals a game. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. So that's my pick is the Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah, that's why mine is also the Red Bulls. Uh, Portland playing host to Seattle. Will there be a... A quote-unquote upset if Seattle wins because they're the lesser team it right now? It wouldn't be an upset. No? Just because they're lower in the standings, I think Seattle's a better team. True. I think it would actually be an upset if the Timbers won. were to win this. I true. hate to say that, but it's true. So um, are you taking Seattle? I'm taking Seattle. Mm, that hurts. Yeah, I've got Seattle in this game, too. They're just they're running on all cylinders right now, and it's kind of crazy to see that happening. But that's the beauty of the end-of-the-season soccer, especially in the Western Conference. Well, here's part of the worries, too. I keep talking about the back line. I can't harp on it enough. I don't mm-hmm. know if the horse is dead yet. It may be. But, but to go along You've with that— You've now found a new horse to, 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 to <laughs> kill and shoot and beat again. <laughs> well, Elvis Powell was one of the players that did well for the Timbers last yep. year. And he's done okay in that back line. But, again, he's a doubt. Mm-hmm. So who knows if he's going to play? That means you're looking at a second or third string. Do another they, do they even have that? String. I don't even know if Portland even know. has maybe, that. Maybe many they players. get Quarcy back in a transfer. Yeah, and like, have we him need play you back or something. <laughs> I, w- I will say this too. Um, as much as I don't like Seattle, 
the playoffs are much more viewed. They're much more entertaining when Seattle's in. Yeah. Whether it's in any sport, really. Look, here's the thing. And Chris Blakely will appreciate this. Yes. I I can't cheer for the Sounders because that's, that's like me cheering for the Bears or the Vikings. I'm a Packers fan. Sure. It ain't, it ain't going to happen. Makes sense. Except it's maybe a Champions League. Then I will. Uh, but... They're an entertaining team. They are. They're That's, fun to watch. At the end of the day, if you've got a whatever a primetime game on ESPN and Seattle's hosting, number one, the stadium's going to just be packed to the rims, which is fantastic. And you know, if it is ends up being a Seattle LA or Seattle FC Dallas Western Conference final, that's going to be entertaining through and through. My only worry is if Seattle's hosting a playoff <laughs> game, will we see the Seahawks American football lines? Over Probably. There? And if so, I'm turning it off. Probably. That's just how the NFL and MLS roll. Finally, Orlando uh, hosting NYCFC. We know on a bigger field that NYCFC is just the better team. They've got the better players. David Villa just completely miles ahead most players right now when it comes to scoring goals. Well, and, and let's face it, Lampard, who who we lambasted. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, he's playing fantastic. He is. He's, I've got, he's I've got, one of the star players I've got for the them. Baby Blues winning this game, and I feel like you're going to go that route that as I well. am. Because yes, Orlando I, just is struggling immensely this year. They really, yeah, truly are. you got Kyle Aaron who's playing quite well. Mm-hmm. He got a goal the other night. Uh, Molino's been injured, and that's a big hurt for them in the yes. midfield. But NYCFC, as you said, when they're playing on a field where they have space, where they can be creative, mm-hmm. uh, they're not dealing with many injury concerns right now. New yeah. York City. No, I completely agree. All right, uh, let us know your thoughts about our predictions. You can go find us on Twitter at Two Upfront Soccer, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan, and even email us as well, Two Upfront Soccer at gmail.com. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we've got the last bit of the show, and we will wrap it up with our power rankings and all that other fun stuff. You're listening to Two Upfront, presented by ShopFootsall.com. Back here on Two Up Front, wrapping things up. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. As we finish out the show today, we've got a lot of different things to be thankful for. We've had a great show. We've had Taylor Lytle of Sky Blue FC here with us and Sonia Kondratenko, no longer of Kick, but now of Venice FC or I forget the Venezia. official. Venezia. Venezia is yes. what, they, what they go by as well, too. So we wish, uh, of course, Sonia all the best on her uh, upcoming journey. And, of course, Taylor Lytle and Sky Blue FC the very best on their conclusion to their season as well. Uh, it is time for some power rankings as well here at the end of the show as we do. And then we'll get our I Believe segment rolling as well. Um, most of the same teams except for one, it looks like, from what I'm looking at for both of us, Simon. Actually, mine, huge shakeup. But, you do. But let's be fair, I've been I've been. You've been, been gone. You've been gone, yes. We didn't technically have these power rankings last That's week. That's right, exactly. So this would be week 24's power rankings, technically. But, right. <laughs> um, yeah, we've had some some huge jumps and shakers. Um, I was hard-bent on LA, on LA, not LAFC, they're not in the league yet, but anyway. Um, but was, they did have a groundbreaking on their stadium. They did have a groundbreaking, yes, which we mentioned earlier in the show as well, too, from Magic Johnson and Will Ferrell, so... That was awesome to get to see. So I, I love that, you know. I just, you know, I had to remind people of, of, course. of how things are moving along for them. Exactly. And it's it, actually, so exciting. If, if you haven't seen the renditions of what the stadium is going to look oh like, my go to LAFC.com. And it's it's going to be right next to the Rose Bowl. If the stadium looks like it's actually 
on their webpage. What a fantastic place that's going to be to play. Might have to make a company trip out there that's or something right. for, for the home opener. Can you imagine how much a home opener ticket's going to cost in that for LAFC? I don't know. Anyway, all right, so speaking of L.A., they were my number one last week and the week before that, uh, but now they're all the way down at number five for me. They still hold on because of the fact that they are not losing, and I know that's kind of a weird way to say that because Simon will come back and say, yeah, well, but they're not winning. (laughs) Yes, but they're not losing at the same time. Man, this man knows me well. I know. I feel like I've done a show or 17 with you before. It's, It's crazy. However, L.A., they still have a key group of players. They're still being able to get stuff done. I know that they lost to NYCFC, and people will complain left and right about David Villa was offsides, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, then you mentioned, as you mentioned last segment, though, too, Brian Rowe, he's been hurt as well. They've done just enough, though, I feel like, to still be relevant and, in my opinion, still deserve a number five spot. Yeah, they're, they're out of my rankings. I was not big believers in them mm-hmm. the last time we, we talked. Uh, and I actually have Colorado at five. Yeah. Uh, and... I'm trying to use some logic here as well. Yeah, L.A., they did lose more recently, but also uh, we look at the last time these two teams played, they drew 1-1, and it was at L.A. L.A. should win that game at home. Uh, Colorado before that had that win over Vancouver. So, yeah, they've lost three times this season. Hmm. Uh, I'm not a huge Colorado fan, but I think they're doing just a tad bit better than L.A. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, my number four is NYCFC, uh, second best team in the Eastern Conference right now, 11, 7, and 8, 5, 3, and 5 at home. They're one of those teams that is playing almost better than any team on the field when they go when they when they see each other. I, I don't know off the top of my head if they will play TFC before the season is done. I hope they do. I'd have to look, honestly. However, they're one of the best teams that for such a long time, we harped on the Eastern Conference. We're like, there is nobody in the East that is going to be able to match up with anybody in the West. And now I think you at least have two teams, an NYCFC and TFC, that it's like, you know what? These two teams are going to be able to compete and maybe even pull a victory out at the end as well. Uh, they do play TFC, do they? by okay. the way. Oh, I'm, sorry. A... I'm sorry. That was oh. I was looking at the wrong New York oh, team. Oh, my goodness. Just quickly zooming through all of this, Baxter. Do they, they don't, which is a good thing for them. That is a good thing for them. So, In fact, they have a pretty weak schedule. Which plays into their hand fairly well. So that's why I've got them at my number four spot in my power rankings. Uh, I have, I actually have them at my number three spot. Okay. Uh, who I have in my number four is Seattle. Mm, okay. Uh, again, I, I'm not a true, true believer in Seattle. However, five-game unbeaten streak, which includes three wins, uh, one against their bitter rival, the best club in the country, the Portland Timbers. <laughs> <laughs> Had to chip uh, that in there real quick. Like <laughs> They did draw with Houston 1-1, and that, that's one of those games that felt like a victory because Ladero scores basically with 10 seconds left in the game. Uh, and it was, a, it was a nice goal as well. So I don't have them higher than New York City FC because I think if those two were to meet in the playoffs, I still see New York City FC as the better team. I think they're more well-rounded. Big surprise for that team has been Josh Saunders, New York City FC, and his play. Yeah, and those of you that listened to the show last week, you know that I completely lambasted Josh Saunders. Not a fan of Josh Saunders. So, yeah, just to just to uh, reiterate, I've got Seattle yes. at four, New York City FC at three. Yeah, but I have Seattle at three and NYCFC at four, um, just because I do believe that with all the momentum going along right now, there's something weird about that Cascadia region up there. For somehow, some way, Seattle has found a way to be relevant again. They've found... They've been able to do it with just those couple of players. The whole team as a whole, yes, they're not that great. However, 
it's the right people that are stepping up. Sure. Which is why I sure. think Seattle deserves to be, in my rankings, just a spot higher than NYCFC. And a shock for me, Baxter, our number one and number two. Well, not our number one, but I'm shocked that our number two is the same team. Yes. And I, I took a hard look at Seattle. I really did. I was like, you know what? I think that they might be my number two. But I'm like, you know, there's another team out there that I still think is better. Although I don't think – I think they're better. It's, it's weird because I think they're better, but I don't think that they would do better than NYCFC hmm. or TFC. If that makes any sense, it, it does. It when does. But by, when, but, but by, by recent form, right? That's right. what I'm going. And, off and of. for this team, we go all the way back to July 10th of an unbeaten streak that they started, which means that they are on a eight-game unbeaten streak. Three of those wins, um, they've played some decent teams. The LA Galaxy, they've played. Well, they they beat their bitter rivals four to one. We'll get to who this team is in a second. Um, they go to no Philadelphia two two. They take on Orlando, beat them two nothing. Uh, you know they they start this all with their draw against Portland. Of course, it is the Bradley Wright, Phillips, Sasha Kleschen, Luis Robles, New York Red Bulls. Yes, yes, it is. BWP fifteen goals on the season. He has thirty four percent of the team's entire goals scored this year. If you like those kind of facts and figures, but. It's it's amazing. It really is. What a world of difference from the beginning of the season, Baxter, when everybody <sighs> he was, was going. Useless. Well, he was useless. The whole team was useless. I mean, they, out of their first seven games, yeah. they only won once. They lost all the other six, and, and everybody, everybody was, was like, going, "Oh, terrible Red Bulls!" Right, and everybody's thinking, "All right, this is this is what we were expecting last yeah. year when Ali Curtis threw everything out the window, brought yep. in Jesse Marsh, but then all of a sudden, New York Red Bulls, they." They decide, no, you know, we actually want to win this conference. We we want to win this league. And they're doing that right now. Doing I mean, they're, they're not winning the conference, obviously. However, they're still playing exceptionally well, 10 points out of their last six games. Not bad. What a way to finish out the season with TFC, Red Bulls, and New York City FC all fighting for that supporter shield, fighting for that Eastern Conference crown. Which is great. You haven't seen something like that happen in a long time. Usually it's like, all right, which of the Western Conference teams is going to win the supporter shield? Now you've actually got six, maybe, or seven teams, depending on how this all shakes down in the next two weeks or three weeks, that are going to really be pushing hard for it, which is good. I think it's yeah. good for the sport. It's good yeah. for the league, right? which is I, even better. I think, you know, as long as they remain healthy... Mm-hmm. No doubt in my mind that Toronto FC takes the supporter shield. I would agree. I completely agree. All right. Uh, and then our number one team, it's fairly obvious by this point, Simon, is yes. Toronto FC. 16 points in their last six games. Five wins, one draw, 14 goals, four, only four against. An absolutely amazing performance from TFC right now. If you're not captain G- uh, Giov- Giovinco in the... MLS fantasy teams. I do every week. You're you're wrong. <laughs> you're just not. You're just doing something wrong. You're just life. yes, yes, yes. Even in double game weeks where he's not playing still in those games, still do it still anyway. I made that mistake a couple of times. So during the season, I was wrong. It happens. But I don't do it anymore. I've learned from my mistake. Well done, Simon. I'm so glad you've been able to learn. All right. Uh, real fast, once again, what are, what are our, uh, our power rankings look like? We again? have uh, number five for me, Colorado. Number five for you, the Galaxy. Number four for you is NYCFC. For me, it's Seattle. They flip-flop. Three is Seattle for you. Three is NYCFC for me. We both have Red Bulls at two and TFC at one. All right. So there you go. Let us know your power rankings, of course, on social media at Two Up Front, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. Moving along here to our final segment of the show. It's time for our I Believe segment, where Simon and I both offer statements about something we believe will take place here in the soccer world. Simon, you were not here last week. You are now back. Do you want to go first? I do want to go first. Please go first. 
I got I, there's so many shout outs I'd like to do Baxter, but I'll, first I'll start with my I believe. Okay. Uh, so a little bit of bragging on my my nephew here, Connor Provan. He was named by the Journal Sentinel as one of the players to watch for the second year in a row. He's a senior this year at Sussex Hamilton. Not only that, but in the description of the conference, he's in the Metro Conference, mm. which has the Brookfield schools and the number four nationally ranked team in the country with Marquette High School. Yep. But in that preview, he was named the most dangerous scorer in the Metro Conference. So uh, I believe that he's going to have a great career both collegiately does as well as professionally. Does he have any collegiate offers right now? He does. I don't know if... Well, yeah, he posted on Facebook. He is, he's has a verbal commitment to UW-Milwaukee. Oh, interesting. Okay. Keeping it keeping it home, Keeping it home. Keeping it local. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But I'll I do believe that his career will extend beyond the college fields. Ah, how interesting. He also plays for the um, Wisconsin Fire, which yeah. is one of the academy teams of the Chicago Fire. Yeah. And in, their, in, the, in the Academy Fire Development Tournament, I'm not sure what the actual title is, mm-hmm. him and his sister, Kayla were named the, to the all-tournament team. Holy cow. Look at that. So just really, really proud of them. So, you know, yeah, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm just, as an uncle, I am immensely proud of them. I would be too. And as, shoes, you know, and shoes. that includes a shout-out to my brother Steve and my sister Joy, who both coach him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, they don't coach Kayla, but they coach they coach Connor on the boys' team at Sussex okay. Hamilton. So. Fantastic. Well, that's so great. I'm so happy for you guys. Congratulations. Thank you. I might have to try to get out to a Sussex game this year then and see the man in action himself. There you go. All right. Uh, and then for me, for my I believe, um, I, I feel bad because last week I said I believe that Canada's going to win the gold medal. We all saw how that happened, of course. Um, see, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, we talked about the Champions League already, so maybe we could go that route too, but I'm going to go on the TFC train this week and say I believe that TFC will win the Supporter Shield this year. You, you know what's interesting? When we had Josh Hacklon of the U.S., or the Cup.us, Cup. yeah. uh, we were talking about, you know, what team could possibly win the double this year or yeah, even the, the treble. treble yeah. Yet at the same time... We've completely ignored the Canadian Championship, which yes, it doesn't have as many teams. Uh, but TFC could win the treble. They That's won. True. They won the Canadian Championship. Could they win the quadruple? Is that it? Like, they could thing? if they win the Champions <laughs> well, League next year. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, they can't win the Open Cup because they're not in that. Right. But yeah. But as I'm saying, the Canadian Championship they won. Then they get the Supporter Shield yep. possibly, and then MLS Cup. Hmm. It's a very real possibility. It's very all of those. Yes. Especially the Canadian Championship. That'll be a fairly easy one for them. Well, to they, do. they they already they already took the crown. Oh, for that's that right. One. I do remember that. That's right. Because of that uh, Will Johnson, right? That last. That's right. That, that that tying aggregate goal or whatever that sent them through. Yes. I remember that now. It's all yes. coming back. So they'll be in. Uh, Champions League play next year. Oh, we'll have to see how that goes. All right, well, we've had a fantastic show today. Once again, a very special thanks to Taylor Lytle of Sky Blue FC and Sonia Kondratenko of Venezia or Venice FC as well for joining us on the program. If there's anything that we talked about on the program today that you want to let us know your thoughts on, we encourage you to go and email us to upfrontsoccer at gmail.com, the number two, of course. And then you can find us, of course, on Fridays on the Sports Podcasting Network by listening on at 11.30 a.m. Central Time. And then you can go on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com as well. You can find us on Facebook at just 2 Upfront in the search bar. You can find us on Twitter at 2 Upfront Soccer. He's at Baxter Colburn. I'm at Simon Provan. Of course, check out our webpage as well, 2UpfrontSoccer.com. Yes, indeed. He's Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn. Thank you so much for being here with us. We look forward to having you back with us again next week when Crystal Dunn from the U.S. Women's National Team will join us right here. Don't miss it. You're listening to 2 Upfront. We'll see you next time. With our manager being the one above, I'm gonna do that one more time. I still have a moment. With our manager being the one above, we are two up front.
me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.